I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his NB. Episode 47. Thank you all for listening to another episode of A Gay and His NB. We are so excited to talk about everything that we have watched on television this week and get it to you in this great episode. Before we do, though, uh, we got some things to get out of the way. First, if you are listening to us wherever it be, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, across the board, we really, really appreciate it when you leave a rating or a review. It helps us get into that algorithm and helps us get seen by more people. So anytime that you do that, it is so appreciative by uh, appreciative to us if you leave a rating or review. Um, be sure to also follow us across social media, whether that be on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads, where we're posting new content every day, uh, including clips of the podcast and our initial thoughts of things as they happen. So if you want to keep abreast on everything that we're saying, go follow us across the board on social media. Uh, you can also uh, buy merchandise from us over at againisnb.threadless.com. We have seven designs up there now. Um, you can get in a variety of different items, including T-shirts and mugs and stickers and so many items under the sun. Um, go support us over there. Uh, and yeah, uh, rep Again is MB over at againisnb.threadless.com. Uh, and also, if you have a question for us that you would like us to answer on a future episode, of the podcast, you can submit that to us across our social media or at againisnb at gmail.com. Um, we may answer on a future episode, so be sure to submit those. Uh, before we get into everything this week, quick programming note that we have uh, to give to you. So last week we did announce that uh, Emily Hanks from She Speaks Bravo would be on the podcast this week to talk that finale episode of Atlanta, which we will be talking about and getting into. Um, however, there was a personal matter that basically came up to where um, she wasn't able to come on this week. There was a scheduling thing that we were able to work out. Um, but we're hoping to uh, get her back on the podcast at some point uh, once things get worked out on that end. But uh, yeah, so just wanted to briefly let you all know, just in case you were curious, as we, were, as we had mentioned it last week. But no, Emily will be on the podcast uh, at some point soon. So we're very excited for that when that happens. But until then, babe, what are we talking about this week? Well, um, we're going to talk about uh, some ladies making some wreaths up in New York City. Some wreaths. Uh, wreaths. Um, um, and uh, uh, some, 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 some gifts that may or may not have been well received. We'll talk about that. Um, we're also going to talk about um, the ladies uh, in OC, um, you know, doing some pumpkin picking and... Um, uh, the cell of uh, Chateau de Bro. Yes. Um, which is a heartbreaker for me. I specifically love Heather's house, her old house. And I mean, I know that she sold it way back in last year this time. But like, still. Can I also quickly mention... R.I.P. Chateau de Bro. How much of a mindfuck it is that like, we just had the Christmas episode of Atlanta. Now we're into this Christmas episode of uh, New York. And we're not even at Christmas yet in in OC. Right. Like, it's like, I... Like, why it, was that season of OC so delayed? It's like, I get it, guys. Maybe it's completely too much to ask. But, like, can we get the timelines completely accurate? I mean, it, it probably is too much to ask. That's way... That's too daunting on their end. But, no, it was, <laughs> that was just an observation I had. Because, yeah. And, yeah. We'll, and we'll get into... Um, the fact that Shannon isn't really a fan of the season changing anyways, and you were very upset about that. But we'll get into that with OC. Um, but uh, before that... Before we get to any of that, we gotta go talk about our lovely peaches. 
down in Atlanta. Oh, God. Well, for as long as we can talk about them. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, we got to talk about that. Yeah. So this finale episode of Atlanta, it was a supersized finale. Before we get into it, I thought it was a good finale. I actually thought it was pretty. Yeah. It, it, I think it lived up to a lot of the hype in terms of the Drew and Ralph stuff. And it, tell, it told a really good narrative with that story. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the few stories they did well. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but so, and before we do, I mean, then there was all this stuff that's now come out. There's like f- six different articles now from like different sources and they're like contradicting. It's the same source. But they're contradicting each other. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, well what I mean is it's the same source on one side and it's Bravo on the other. Right. I believe Bravo. Yeah. The first one was the Love B. Scott who posted um, their mm-hmm. exclusive. Um, that was a bit essentially saying that their bro, uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta is going to get the full Rowney reboot. And people were freaking the fuck out. I think it came in like really late in the night, whatever night it was, like a couple nights ago. And mm-hmm. we were both just like, are you fucking serious right now? Yeah. Like, the, I, I don't think that's necessary at all. I mean, one, we, we've talked about it. I don't think it fixes the issue. Right. The issue is largely production based. You know, wh- wh- whatever that takes form of, whether it's pre-production or post-production or a combination of the two. Um, Can we also talk about that? Uh, uh, what was it? A, a story or a reel or whatever on Instagram that Eric Fuller put out? Fuller? Is yeah, that I think so. Uh, I don't want to, you know. And because there were also reports about like death threats and stuff like that, which I, I actually, sadly, I believe. And, and that's just how fucking stupid people are at this point. Because it's like, my God, like, you know, like, really? the Because produ- uh, they didn't do a good job producing the show you like? It's like, I don't know. But, like, so he was very much clarifying, like, you know, I don't, you know, cut stories. I don't do this. I don't do that, which left a lot of people with the question of, like, well, then what do you do exactly? Right. Um, but, like, here's my thing. I think there's two fronts about it. Like, if he is just the showrunner, right, which we see, we know he does at least that role as production is going on, right? Right. So we've seen him on camera shots. We've seen him, like, you know, both in Atlanta and on Potomac. Right. Like, in that regard. So, yes, maybe he's not in the editing bay and maybe doesn't have final decision in terms of, okay, you know, use this scene, don't use this scene, blah, blah, blah. But there is a process in terms of, like, helping, like Carlos King talked about, like, how you sort of are guiding the stories as it's filmed, right? Right. You're helping the women get, you know, what is your story for the season? What is your, you know, whatever, and helping deliver upon that. Now, was Carlos a EP? Yes, he was. But wasn't, I thought he was just a producer, because wasn't he Kenya's producer for a while? Um... I can't remember. Isn't that why they're close? I think he was one of, like, I think, I think there's individual people's producers. I think there's an executive producer that, that covers sort of everyone, Mm -hmm. like, in in that regard. So I'm not sure exactly. Because, see, the way that I understood the organization of things is each one of the housewives had their own producer. This is the person that sits behind the camera in the confessionals and asks them questions. This is also the person who is with the cameras anytime. That housewife is in a scene. If they are on camera, if they are mic'd, that producer is at their elbow. Yeah. Pretty much. Just off camera. So, I was under the produ- the idea that all of the housewives had one of those. There's probably one or two that, like, wrangles the friends of. Right. 
And then there's an EP, the executive producer that's over all of it, who decides what gets filmed, what doesn't, what gets sent. And, like, they're a production company. At the end of the... The, at the end of the day, the person who is executive producing the content from the production company that goes to Bravo mm-hmm. as a package, because they don't just send Bravo all their footage and Bravo edits it. Right. Bravo doesn't get to do that. That's truly original. So whoever it is over at Truly Original, who is in charge of whatever that package is that gets sent to Bravo... That's the person that needs to be slapped around a little bit. Right, which is what I mean in, t- in the sense Proverbially, of, not... Yes, of course. Um, but, like, what I mean is, like, if, if he's the sort of showrunner in the moment, he, at the very least, can be blamed for making the decisions that kind of Kenya brought up on that podcast, which is, like, oh, suddenly Marlo has this, event, this like, charity function event. Suddenly, suddenly Marlo's the only one to come back on March 3rd after the, the news breaks, because... Look at that time jump right, when right. the news breaks of, of Ralph and uh, Drew's divorce. Yeah. There's the, a decision of who's going to film, like, who we're going to, you know, be filming in their home. Whose house are they at? Yeah. They're at Marlo's house. Yeah. So I think, again, we've also, to me, I, I, at least I can speak for me. Like, I've been using, like, when we talk about Eric and we've made such a point in the podcast, I've been using him as a shorthand for production. Right. But like, at the end of the day, the buck stops there, right? right? If you're the executive producer, then you're the one in charge. Yeah. So I just think, like, that's what needs to be overhauled. And now it's like, there's reports of, like, no, it's not like a full Roni reboot. It's going to be more similar to, like, Miami, where we keep, like, half of them and then, like... Or, yeah. like, season five Roni reboot. Like, yeah. And which is not a reboot. That's a shakeup. We know the different terms. Those are, like, those are different things. Right. And so, like, there's the... Que- but also, there was a lot... Of, I'm the That report was saying that Candy, Kenya, and likely Sheree are staying, which is, like, I feel like Drew should be one of the ones that stay, because, like... She, right. She kind of delivered the most this season. And also, like... If the original report was that kind of implied that part of the reason like they might get rid of like Candy and Kenya is like they're two of the highest paid housewives right. on Bravo, and so by cost cutting measures, it's like if we did a full re- reboot, like you know, you're saving money in that regard. The thought that just came to me is, as much as it pains me to say this, with her schedule, it might make more sense to make Candy a friend of. That yeah. way she comes to what she can come to, and there's no pressure to show up and, when she can't be there. And now that we know that they're doing season two of Candy and the Gang. Right. We get more of her over there anyway. Yeah. So we get that. Then keep Drew, Kenya, and Sheree. Keep Monetta as a friend of, because I think she has more to give. And then give me, you know three more ladies that are brand new that we have never seen before. Right. Or give Monietta a, a peach. I think Monietta could hold a peach. Maybe. I will say Monietta was, now that I look back on it, or like in the rewatch of this episode, I was like, Monietta was kind of vital, in certain, at least with this Drew stuff. Because I was like, oh, she said a couple, like she hit a domino that set a series of dominoes that went off. Or give a peach to Allison. I would like that, actually. Allison was a queen this episode. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Okay, let's start the episode. Let's start that. It's fantastic. So we start with kind of like a cold open of like sort of all the, like the buildup of the Drew and Ralph stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And we just see the producer ask Drew, 
what we now know was post-divorce of in the confessional of her, the producer saying, what do you want to tell me about what we haven't been seeing these years? Basically, like, mm-hmm. they're kind of basically like you kind of put up a little bit of both of you put up a little bit of a front, which we always kind yeah. of figured like they were they were very trained. And yeah. Drew kind of hints at that later as well. So um, we go to uh, Sonia, who is doing another checkup with Dr. Jackie. Um, and so Sonia, Ross couldn't be there for this checkup. So Sonia decided to call, call up Marlo and invite her. I, I feel so bad to, for her mother and her sister. Yeah. Why are you not calling them? Also, and then for Jackie to straight up call her her sidekick. Yeah. It's like, but... Th- so this like, is your sidekick today? That was shady. Yeah. Marlo, that, that's what shade is. Shade comes from reading. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like that. Remember the, the Mommy Nation event where like Sonya didn't give an award to her mother but gave it to fucking Sheree? And right. It's like, what? It, you're really selling them down the river. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, so Sonya uh, says, uh, Sonya makes a comment about how you know, her family really fostered her to be like a star and her sister really hated it, which we've seen like, and they've kind of played that out throughout the season. She's like, so, but that's part of the reason why I want to give like both of my pregnancies equal attention and like, and like, um, devotion, I guess, which yes, I, I, I personally, I think that dynamic is so weird with Sonya. I get, I mean, yes, she's been trained to be an Olympian. And so like the rewards have paid off in that regard, but it's just like, I cannot imagine just like devoting everything into one child in that way. And like, yeah, I can. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> my situation was different. I had a disabled brother and he required all of that, that attention. That's totally different. But like, I can also like, I can get it. Like if one child like requires demands whatever all of this attention the other ones are going to suffer yeah you know and they're like i get that like right. in our situation it wasn't something that you could really do anything about in sonya's i get why their her parents may have been like this is an opportunity for her to like make something of herself and in order for that opportunity to like come to fruition we have to put everything into it which could then mean her sister gets thrown to the wayside essentially um (laughs) sonya tries to get marley to record to send to ralph and she just completely fails (laughs) and she's like oh i didn't know (laughs) i think that that was um bs oh yeah yeah i think that that was uh pr for i don't know how to edit a video oh that's right I forgot about that. But I mean, like that, with all that's happened, it's like, it's so innocuous at this point. Um, Jackie comes in after analyzing the um, ultrasound and tells her that she's five weeks and five days. And Sonya's like, wait, I was five weeks, like, you know. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago or whatever. And she, and I love Jackie going, five weeks and five days. There's two, that's two more days from six. So, <laughs> like, don't sass me. But, like, I will to what it get, gets to later, it kind of, like, when she was explaining later what happened, I was like, oh, that makes sense now. Why it wasn't. It also, like, explains why, um, you know, having, like, abortion bans based on, like, how many weeks along you are. Well, abortion bans anyway are yeah. stupid. But, like, 
anyway, because you don't know. At yep. the very beginning, you're just measuring from last period. There's not, you can't like measure the size yet. Yeah. It's, al- it's almost like the people crafting this don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. And have never experienced any, yeah. We won't get into it. <laughs> but Sonya's like, no, Deuce is going to like kill me. The, you know, we need to get closer to that 10-week mark. We can't go backwards to find out about the sex right. and all that. I will say, in the trailer for this episode, they really made it seem like this is where ja- uh, where Sonya finds out. Yeah. And the, obviously that didn't happen. That was, to me, that's reckless. In a little. Like, that's, mm, that's not okay. That, that Like, the way that they shaded that scene was not okay, especially considering that she actually had a, a miscarriage. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. Like, mm. Jackie goes, I don't want to rain on your parade. I wouldn't keep involving him until we're at heartbeat. We always say, wait till 12 weeks. Like, which, and Marlo tells Sonya, like, yeah, I just feel like also, like, you told all of us, like, way too soon, like, sort of, like, that regard. Which, I mean, that's, again, going back to what we were saying about the abortion thing, too. Like, that's... This is such a common reality, right? This is such a common occurrence that happens to where, like, the fact that Jackie is explicitly, like, saying that speaks to that. Well, and also the fact that so many people now are waiting to have kids until they're, you know, in their 30s or so. There are so many more people who are going to encounter a quote-unquote geriatric uh, pregnancy. Right. Like... Of course, that's more more problems, more issues, and you know, people of color encounter that exponentially more than white people do. So, like, yeah, and part of that's because of institutional bullshit, and yeah. part of that, you know, like, there's. But also, even if it's not geriatric, I know it's more common with geriatric pregnancies. But like, again, like, if there's ever, if there's a question, right, right, if if if, if, if we're in a period at the very least where there's any bit of doubt. The idea that you would can't, can't sorry to go back to it, but like the idea that you would legislate, yeah, to not take any of that into account, yeah, is so unconscionable to me. It's just, it's, I yeah. swear, this is not becoming a political podcast. We're trying not. We to. have our opinions. We could give them to you, but we're not going to. We're going to keep talking about Bravo. Yeah, let's go. Let's go to some lighter stuff. So uh, Ralph uh, goes to talk to Drew in her bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, this is light. Yeah. Um, so Drew is, you know, just resting, you know, from everything. Drew mentions like, you know, yeah, we haven't really gotten to sort of like see each other, you know, with our schedules and stuff like that. She asks if things are good and Ralph just is like working, you know, it's, it's been a grind, you know, while you're off here shooting your movie. Strike number one this episode. This is starting uh, like, can, and then Drew goes, do you know how much work it is? And Ralph goes, you're doing sex scenes. And at this point, I was done. I mean, I've been done with Ralph, but like, can I? Okay. What the fuck do you do? I said this last week. Ralph, from the little, from the word salad I got from Drew on that after show, that you advise um, Fortune 500 companies on technology. I'm sorry, what's the hard work? No offense, but like, what is, are, are you on Zoom calls all day? Are you, you know, are you. Like, I mean, consulting comes in a lot of different forms, but again, we don't know what form his comes in. But when he, it could be anything. But I'm sorry, like general consulting versus you're having to learn lines, learn essentially choreo and 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 you know how to build a scene or whatever. According, based off of what Drew's describing, like working over like ten hour days for like and 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 it's 
the idea to like minimize what she's doing versus whatever the fuck you're doing at this point, like scratching your nuts and and right, like sorry, like also, can we talk about how sh- how stressful it is to film a sex scene? Yeah, like. Sex scenes are fucking difficult because there's like 80 people in the room with you. Yeah. How are you supposed to get into... Well, normally not in the room, but they're outside the room. Well, it depends on how you're shooting. If you're shooting on a soundstage, there's like camera operators, there's grips, there's producers, there's all these people... They're just outside of the range of the camera. To me, the people outside the room honestly would be worse for me. Like, not being able to, like, know how they're reacting would be way more mentally taxing for me it's honestly like a step like she could have done this in front of a live studio audience and there would have been just about as much people right but like i mean i don't even know why i'm trying to intellectualize it it's like just you're her you're her husband don't minimize her fucking job you idiot right like so drew's like yeah i, I, mean, I mean drew goes like i mean i got up in the morning to take josiah to school like so she's literally still like doing, because he won't because he goes and then he goes i tried to help you what the fuck does that mean? What did you do? What honestly did you do? Also, help her? They're your kids, too. Yeah. And, and well, Drew goes, well, you moved out the room, and then that's when we get into this whole stuff where apparently now Ralph is sleeping in the kids' room or something. No, the guest room. Yeah, well, is it a guest room or is it like... Yeah, so on the after part or after party on the after show whatever mm-hmm. um drew had talked about other times like when they had fought and whatnot yeah he would go and like just sleep with one of the kids right um but he's this was he actually moved all of his shit he was out like, of the master bedroom he was like building a bed essentially into it bought a new mattress yeah and moved into one of the guest rooms right so, and Ralph is like, well, that's because it's disruptive. Like, you, you know, you come home at like 3 a.m. And, you know, that makes me get up for another like two hours or whatever. You know, I need my sleep to do whatever the fuck I'm doing. Like, it's so mind-numbingly stupid in my yeah. view. that. He, and can I, so for like, um, to pull back the curtain on our end, because Ralph gets into this later at the therapy session. Like, so me and Merlin actually sleep in separate rooms. Like, yeah. but, but it's for vastly different reasons, by the way. It's because you have sleep apnea. Yep. And literally, and you, honestly, it's better for you that I don't like murder you in yeah. the middle of the night. <laughs> because I'm very, I'm, I'm a super sensitive sleeper. Like I, both in terms of temperature as Ralph gets into later and sound. But it wasn't that big of a deal before the pandemic. After the pandemic hit and I got COVID like three times in rapid succession. Yeah. Like, my breathing became awful. Yeah. And it became to the point where we had to sleep on separate schedules so that we could bother to be around each other. But also, again, when we'll get into this later, like, we communicated this. And we were both fine with it. Right. That's the difference. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Drew's like, well, when when are you going to come back into the room? And Ralph goes, I don't know, whenever I can get some stability. And it's... So then Drew decides uh, to bring up what Magneta had been saying about Courtney calling her a bitch in Portugal and all that. And then she shows Ralph the video that Magneta sent to her of Courtney saying it, right? Ralph watches it and goes, how does it make you feel? And Drew goes, that was for you. How does it make you feel? Like, why are you asking me? And then Ralph goes into this. I mean, I've heard Kenya call you a bitch. I've heard Marlo call you a bitch. And y'all are cool. One, no, they're not. 
When are Mar- when is Marlo and Drew been cool? Clearly, you don't pay enough attention. Um, but and then Drew just has to be like the fact that he doesn't fucking get it or just refuses to get it. Like Drew's like, it's not just about the word bitch. You've just known her and met her yesterday, and this is who she is behind our back. And then Ralph goes behind our back. What has she said offensive to me? And at this point, again. There's been multiple times, but at this point, I would be like, divorce. Yeah. How, like, the, and, and it's, we'll get to it also later. It's also very antagonistic. There's a bit, like, there's no, there's, no, it's not like that like, naturally, accidentally came out in communication and you meant to say, you know, you didn't mean for it to come out as harsh as it did. Ralph is very thoughtful. And what I mean by that is he thinks about everything he says. Right. I don't buy that this calculated. Was, yeah, I don't buy this was like a slip of the tongue anything. Like I just how do you not understand that when you get married to somebody it is then you and that person like as a unit. Like yeah. you don't like you don't make decisions without each other. You don't like you talk about everything. If the other person's offended, you're offended with them. Right. That's how this works. If the other person is excited, you share in that joy. I don't understand. Well, and he says also, like, what do you want me to do? Like cuss or, cuss Courtney out or whatever? It's like you sent a lengthy fucking text to Marlo for much less. It's not like it's outside the realm of your thinking so like, to fucking do that. So let me get this straight. He's more upset about them literally mentioning the fact that he speaks in or works, works in, in tech, tech. Yeah. Then he is about his so-called cousin-in-law. So-called. Calling his wife a bitch. Even if it wasn't that he's upset about her calling her a bitch. He doesn't have to be upset at that. Right. He needs to be upset that it has upset his wife. That's what uh, Drew says. So Drew's like, I, you know, if I don't rock with someone, you don't rock with someone. And basically like vice versa. And she's like, that's marriage 101. Yeah. And Ralph goes, if there's a real reason to not rock with somebody, and Drew has to be like, her calling me a bitch and then lying about it, it's okay to you. And apparently it is. But uh, again, to me, that's beside the point. The fact that Drew don't fuck with this person means you don't fuck with that person. Period. End of story. That's how it works. Even if we believe the story, it's not like it's a long-term family member. It's not your blood sister or your... You know what I mean? Like, it's not Also, even if it was blood sister, guess what? Drew kicked her sister out of your house for how many years? For you. For you. And now you just met this bitch... Because this because Muppet she made ass bitch. that's such a good point. That's such a good point that Allison made him feel uncomfortable. She was banned from the house for how many years? But with Courtney, like you can't do anything. Like fuck all the way off. He's fucked her. I'm sorry. Like yeah, we'll get to it later. There, I do not buy that they are cousins. We'll get to it later. Allegedly, allegedly, blah blah blah. Because Courtney tells on herself later. I feel. Um, Drew talks about, you know, that's what it's, you know, what it is. It's like, I don't feel valued. and I don't feel heard. And she basically gets upset and sort of storms off out of her room and, and is just like, what in the motherfucking world? And, and leaves. And Ralph follows her out of the room and Ralph is smiling. He, ugh. he, he, like, it's, it's, I couldn't tell in this one if it was just the like, bitches be crazy smile, but there was something to the smile 
throughout the episode. It's smirk. It, yeah. It's not just the smile. It is a smirk. Like, yes, everything's going to plan. Like, watch her blow. It. It is so... I'm not going to, like, promote the movie, but, like, <laughs> go see the past. Oh, my. Oh, you mean the Drew biopic? <laughs> <laughs> the accidental what? Drew Sedora biopic. If you watch starring Drew Sedora without her knowing it was a biopic. If you don't like watch this, watch the episode of Atlanta, the finale episode, and then watch the past. Don't do it the other way around. Oh yeah. Because holy shit, we were like, are we watching the same? Like what? It it maybe Drew has something to the whole idea that like Candy may have set up the lesbian conversation. <laughs> I was like, this is I, I feel gaslit myself. Like shit. Um. So Drew comes down to the kitchen as Allison's doing dishes, and Ralph, like I mentioned, follows her. The look on Allison's face as Ralph comes down is just like. This is like we finally get to see that contempt that Allison has had for him that we've only heard about, right? Yeah. It's so perfect, Drew. Drew, Ralph's like, you okay? And Drew's like, I'm just too tired for this. And then Drew talks to Allison. Like, so Courtney basically said that she never, you know, said bitch, right? Or whatever to like about what happened at the, at the retreat. Corroborating things. Yeah. Allison's like, oh yeah. She says she doesn't use the word bitch. She looked me right in my face and says that she never said it. And then Ralph goes, well, Allison, you called Drew a bitch before. So it happens. The screw face that Allison gives him. Like, the fuck are you talking about, motherfucker? Yeah, but this was this is when Allison came into her own. I was like, I, I didn't think much either way of Allison for most, but I was like, no. This, this is good. This shit. is where we were like, maybe Peach told her. Um, she goes, let me help you. If she called her a banana, she don't like it. How about that? It, like, Yeah, it doesn't matter what the transgression is. It, it matters that you stand next to your wife. Yeah. So it's like, that's the basic concept that you seem to not be able to understand. And Ralph goes, Allison, I got this. Trust me. And I would have been like, clearly you motherfucking don't. Because it's not about, it's not about like him fighting her battles, right? Right. It's about him standing next to her while she fights her own. Exactly. It's not that fucking difficult. Like you don't, and this goes for husbands across housewives. You don't have to get involved unless the other guys get involved. Because I understand but like, or unless someone's coming at you directly. If you someone comes at you directly, you should have the right to. But like, the most you should be getting involved is stepping between getting your wife out of the situation or standing there, possibly holding her hand if she will let you. Yeah. But like, you should just be her stalwart companion. You don't need to fight her battles. She got on this show. For her reason of her own merit. Yeah. She doesn't need you. Yeah. Allison's like, you brought me into this sitting here washing dishes. You don't have to say that. And then Drew then decides to leave again and basically like, I want to de-mic. Let me take the mic off me. She then gets emotional. And Ralph comes up to her, like, kind of like grabs her arm and goes, why are you crying? I'm like, I was like, that is not the tone right now. You better believe I'd have slapped the piss out of him. Yeah, and Drew just is like, I can't believe you. You just embarrassed me like that. Like, sobbing, like, goes up to her room. Allison's like, why are you doing this to Ralph? Like, like just like, what Like what the fuck? Like, just leave. Like, at the, if, it would be one thing if you didn't give her, like, if you didn't say enough. You're, just leave her alone. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Like, just you're literally like exponentially making the situation worse than what it could be. Mm-hmm. It's so. Ugh. Um, we go to Sheree, and she's in the car with her daughter Tierra, um, who, and they're coming back from her fibroid uh, appointment. Um, and apparently, it's been working. I guess the the holistic treatments. Yeah. Cr- yeah. Um, they talk about. Oh my god. So they talk about how, like, you know, you know, get you into, like, the acupuncture and stuff like that. And, like, it's also good for stress. And Trey goes, you know, I've never been a stressor. Bill collectors call me, and I'm like, you'll get it when I get it. And I'm like, well, we know. <laughs> <laughs> that says so much. But the fact that you're verbally saying it is also something. After 15 years, you finally admit you don't pay your bills. Yeah. Uh, Tierra brings up um, uh, the sip and see and, and talks about Bob's daughter being there. And we get into this. And she, and Sheree's like, were you? Have you met her? And she's like, yeah. He, I was introduced to her at Bob's mom's house, like for some like family event. So literally, all her children knew about this allegedly before she did. Your kids don't fuck with you. That that's what that is. But also, like Sheree's like, you know, I don't think it's weird that you know she knew because you know I don't talk to Bob. They talked to Bob. I don't think it's weird that the kids knew. I think it's weird that the kids didn't tell you. Yeah, she is making every fucking excuse as to why this is okay. I just it it seems real weird that these kids did not come back and tell their mom about this because I I know like. Sheree has been like, well, that doesn't matter. She's not mine. That is your stepdaughter, ma'am. Yeah. You may, you may not have known about her, but that was your stepchild. And Sheree's like, well, the responsibility is on Bob. It's not on the kids to tell me. It's like, okay, that may be true, but the res- but responsibility is different than like intention. And like when I, if I were to hear that, it doesn't matter what my responsibility is. I would tell my mother. Right. Um, if I find out that my best friend's husband is cheating on her, it's his job to tell her, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm not going to step in. Like, I'm going to tell him you got 3.2 seconds to tell her, or I will. Yeah. We go over to Kenya's house, more manner, um, as she's making breakfast for Brooklyn and for her dad. Um, we get uh, Kenya talks a little bit more about sort of her and her dad sort of working on their relationship and that we I mean they never really talked too much about the fact that it was I mean I, I think maybe a little bit here and there that like it was also a little rocky her relationship with her dad not mm-hmm. obviously not as severe right as with her mother but like you know I I mean obviously in that household it can't be like you know perfect yeah I mean you can't get worse than the relationship with her and her mother yeah. Um, but she then starts to tell him about like, you know, that they're thinking of adding to the family and stuff like that. And he's like, so adoption. And he's, she's like, well, no, I still have embryos. And he's like, oh my God, man, you almost died last time. Like, what are you thinking? And, but it seems now that Kenya's being pretty much on the path of, I'm going to get a surrogate, good. which we were both like, good. We, <laughs> we sighed a big sigh of relief. Yeah. Also, can we just talk about this look? Like the high waisted jeans with that orange oh, and the tank hair. top and the head. It's very like late nineties, early two thousands throwback look, but mm-hmm. it looks so good on her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh, just mm. But apparently so she's still contemplating telling Mark about this. Why well, I, I mean he's gonna see it on the show. He's gonna like, find out anyways. But basically she's worried that like, you know, there could be repercussions if I do that because like he may file an injunction, which is what I always said. I was like Yes, you have the paperwork, and that's completely true and accurate. 
And it, but don't and mean he's not going to be an ass. It doesn't mean he's not going to be an ass because he's trying to sue you for your fucking house that you built way before he came into the fucking picture. Yeah. So, explain. You know, he'll find some way to just tie it up in the legal system. And can and we can we just get a judge to like fast track this and sign it off before he has a chance to do anything else with I it? I mean, and honestly, just leave it? like because this woman deserves to be put out of her misery. She's been dealing with this asshole piece of shit for how many years? Yeah. Like this. This divorce has gone on longer, I think, than the Bethany and what's his name divorce. Um, maybe. And, and that was a piece of work too. That man was a piece of shit too. I think it's maybe it's getting cl- maybe in like another year or two, it's going to match that. But, but yeah. like, still, it's been rough. Yeah, maybe he's the one that fucked her up. <laughs> I guess and made maybe. her made her this crazy as she is now. Um, no. Um, but yeah, uh, we go Bethany, not Kenya. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um. We go to we go to late archive, which we haven't seen like all season. Rena Center, uh, <laughs> and Marlo's basically inviting Scott Lee over. I did not much like last week. What was this scene? It was so boring. There was no real like, and it's and, almost as if they just were filling time. Like I don't understand. You know, was there nothing else going on this week that they could have filmed and slotted in here? It's like there was an important event or something. Well, mm. yeah, so that was the other thing from that Love B. Scott uh, thing was that one of the producer sources saying that the reason that they cut Kenya's hair salon stuff what, and, and her event wasn't that, it, you know, for malicious or whatever reasons. Well, it was just that it was dry and didn't have anything happening during it. Yeah, because this scene and then last, scene, last week's scene with Marlo was so riveting. It had so much stuff in it. There was no, like, it was stupid. It's Whatever. So, it's so stupid and so clear that this was, again, this is like what Kenya said of, like, let's set up a scene where you're, you know, being romantic with Scott Lee again. Okay, cool. Like, you're so, you know, whatever. Fake out. Kenya has gotten so many accusations of renting boyfriends. This is a clear rented boyfriend, right? Yeah. Like, he's on the show to promote his restaurant. Courtney, on the, speak on it, is still maintaining, like, they're dating outside the show. But, like... But in, in fairness, Courtney's a liar. <laughs> so um, the producer asked uh, Marlo in the confessional if he's her boyfriend. She goes, like, well, no, no, no. He's, like, he's a friend boy. Boyfriend. See, this is, I my, don't know. this is my thing. If y'all was real and you've been dealing with each other for like a year at this point. I don't, well, no, not a year. By the time confessionals? Oh, sure, maybe. But, but they put the lower third. Friend, Marlo's friend boy. Boy friend i don't know <laughs> it's like which at least that was a little bit of shady editing towards marlo but uh, at your big age call him a boyfriend or get the fuck off the I, pot i know did you notice also marlo like name dropping garcelle just like <laughs> no garcelle don't want nothing to do with her i'm <laughs> sure she has much higher standards than marlo sure well she's designing she's like tammy roman's personal um designer um and which I'm sure there's stuff that Lay Archive is doing, but honestly, I would I would have liked to have seen it more directly throughout the season and more, you know what I mean, more explicitly I'm than con- this throwaway scene. Like, have you looked at the website? Oh, I didn't know there was a website. The website is a form to fill out a request for a personal tour. Oh, okay. It, that's it. Yeah. That that's all the damn site is. You don't is. get to see what they offer. You don't get to see anything that they offer. It's all private showings. Yeah, it, it's a storage locker. <laughs> it's basically, basically. 
Um, but uh, she gets the, te- the text from Candy about the rap party for the past, and then she invites Scott Lee to come. So yeah, whoop de you. We needed that scene. <laughs> we then go to Dr. Ken's office, and Drew and Ralph come in. Here for, we go. For marriage counseling. This was gaslighting 101, this scene. This, this was, I was like, I, I, I'm like, this is done. This marriage has to be done after this. It's, it's crazy. Drew, Drew starts it by talking about that it is, you know, mentioning and kind of giving Ralph inadvertent praise, I would say, in that it is a big deal that he's coming today because, you know, he hasn't been coming to marriage counseling, so him agreeing to do this session and stuff is a big step. Like this, like, this whole scene was him playing her like a deck of Uno cards. He was throwing out them Uno reverses, them skip fours, <laughs> them, all them things. Yeah. He goes, it hasn't been a collective between you and I, but I've been working on myself. Think about the changes I've been making. And Drew goes, what changes? And he goes, I left the room and then smirks again at Dr. Ken. So like him saying, I left the room there's an intention, like, the, the way he says it, the tone, the facial expression, he says that shit to hurt her. But isn't that a negative change? Right. Why is he, like, putting that down as evidence of I've changed in ways in order to support our relationship? Because he, he doesn't view it as a marriage. No, he, he doesn't. doesn't. And Dr. Ken lost me here. He goes... One thing I've learned about the two of you is you absolutely love one another. And I was like, I don't, I think you've got a wrong read there, doctor. Bitch, where? They do not love each other. Don't, don't nobody go to this man. Drew Th- may, this is not a good doctor. Drew at the very minimum may think that she loves Ralph, whether she does or not. I know for a fact Ralph doesn't love her. Oh, yeah. There is he's a, toying with her. There is a contempt for her that is so, like, visibly palpable. Yeah. And it's like... And he goes, what's unfortunate is you're just really disconnected. Ralph goes, me moving out of the bedroom is me actually getting to a place where I'm comfortable. And Ken, Dr. Ken asks Drew, how does that feel? And Drew goes, alone. You know, I think he's happy. And Ralph goes, liberating. It's liberating for me. Then get the fuck out. Then, yeah, it's like, but also, like, even that term liberating, it's just like, yeah, you've been such a victim in this, haven't you been, Ralph? Like, you, you've been such the victim, held down, and, and you know, you need to... Ugh. Everything about it is gross. Drew's, like, he brings up that, like, you know, we never discussed him leaving the room. Like, he just did it. And, you know, I feel it's kind of irresponsible to make such a big change. And, like, even the kids have noticed. And Ralph goes, that's a lie. And Drew's like, no, it's actually not a lie. And I will say credit to Drew. And she's shown this throughout her time on the show as much as he is a gaslighter she is willing to have receipts and willing to not like let him totally steamroll so she pulls up the text message that josiah sent her and i screen grabbed it so i can read it he's josiah texted her i think dad is sleeping in the guest room for some reason and makai and anaya are both mad because he wouldn't let them sleep with him drew then replies Oh, it's all good. Daddy's sleeping in there because I'm getting home so late and he has to work in the morning. I usually wake him up. Everything will be back to normal after I wrap this movie, baby. Heart emoji. That's, that's literally... Wait, why was he not letting the kids in there? I have no clue. Because he's a... Well... <laughs> was there a uh, friend of helping? A cousin of, maybe? <laughs> anyway... But, but he, she literally reads off the text message. And Ralph goes, it's not a concern. You just created that. Like, 
her son texted her unprompted of anything. And it didn't look like she pulled up a screenshot of it. It looked like she pulled up the actual text message. Yeah. So and, it's not like she could create that. And he and Ralph goes, it's all but no, it's not, it's it's just gaslighting on Ralph's part. Because he goes, it's all in how you say it. Drew said it with a thing of like, I don't know what Ralph is doing. What's daddy doing? And it's like, no, she did not. You read into that. She actively did not. She reads the text again. And like Dr. Ken's like trying to jump in to try to like get a word in. And he goes, wait, wait, Dr. Ken, hold on a second. And to me, I I thought Dr. Ken actually did a really poor job here. Oh, like, yeah. Just just for, here? Well, yeah. Well, he's given bad advice in the past. I thought he did a, a terrible job here of controlling his space. This is his office. This is his fucking space. He yeah. should have been, you know, guiding the conversation. And at a certain point, he literally let Ralph become the therapist. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, at a certain point, you need to tell this man, stop. Isn't this the same one, the same guy that did the group therapy years back? Was he? I that Nini like kind of steamrolled over him. Maybe you know Gaslighter Nini. Anyway, <laughs> um, but no, but like at a certain point you have to stop him. He goes, wait, 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 hold on, Doctor Ken, hold on a second. It's about me making certain changes that make me feel good because I have that right too. Like him saying, I have that right too. By the way, is like as if like yeah, Drew's just been like sailing through this marriage, right? Yeah. In terms of her feelings and emotions. Yeah, the last three years have been just a pancake. Yeah. A pancake? A cakewalk. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, it's been a pancake. You're right. You were it's right been the a flop. <laughs> you were right the first time. <laughs> oh, God. Ralph goes, I'm getting to a place where I can feel more liberated, where I can smell the roses and the fruits of my labor. Me leaving hasn't been just because I want to just leave. It was so Drew can be comfortable and I can be comfortable and it's actually worked out. You're literally saying, like, Drew's literally telling you she doesn't like this. What? I'm, and you're not only, you're only, not only not listening to her, you're saying, not, not only am I not listening to Drew say that she doesn't like this, I'm going to say she does actually like it. And we're getting, like. What part of this was to make Drew comfortable? What change happened in order to make her more comfortable in that space? List those changes out for me. Yeah. He talks, he's like, you know, you know, but it's about, like apparently it's not to do with the temperature because he's like Drew likes it at like an eighty two degrees and I'm someone who likes like a sixty eight seventy two you know what I'm saying and and they're just kind of dumbfounded by him at this point both of both Drew and Doctor Ken she could get a heated blanket yeah no you were you said at the time like yeah that is bullshit that it's eighty two degrees eighty two is bullshit number one I don't think that that number is true I think it's probably something more like eighty or like seventy five or something yeah probably. But, like, I understand because I'm at an 86, 72, like, 86, 68, 72 yeah. range also myself. It's, also, it's winter at the time. Right. So, and Ralph goes, I don't know why you're making these faces. Drew then tries to say why she is making the faces, essentially. Drew tries to, like, contribute, and Drew, he just ignores her and goes, but listen, Dr. Ken. Like, now he's just having this conversation with Dr. Ken. Like, irrespect, he does, he acts like Drew's, like, not even in the room, basically. Well, yeah. It's, it's. Uh, well, and this is classic misogynist behavior, right? Yeah. We, we've seen it many times on Housewives. We saw it this past season on Survivor at the fucking, the, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, that yes, reward, yes. that reward with lunch Carolyn. with Carolyn, where she was completely left out of that conversation. It's like, it constantly happens. 
women are constantly left to the side to deal with themselves while the quote-unquote grown men have their conversation. Fuck you. Yeah. Ralph goes, because the reality of it is, look at the solution that's been put in place. Like, again, using, like, therapizing language. Mm -hmm. Drew can win and get what she wants, and I can win and get what I want. Drew literally says in the confessional, which I'm pretty sure was filmed after, like, we've wrapped the movie, I'm willing to turn the heat down, and he still hasn't moved back into the room. Like, I'm literally willing to... Even that, Drew's like, I'm literally to make willing to make every fucking compromise he's willing to make. Yeah. Much like uh, Ariana. Yeah, I was just saying that this, or just thinking this sounds a heck of a lot like Sandoval. Yeah. Ralph goes to Dr. Ken, let me tell you something. Her best friend, actually, they sleep in separate rooms and it's all good. And Drew goes, they also filed for divorce. And Ralph then goes... Who hasn't filed for divorce? And does that fucking smirk in, again. Like the most like cheerful, condescending. I like we talk about punchable faces. He has a punchable face in this moment. Yeah. And Dr. Ken just has to be like, yeah, we we really need that marriage counseling. And that's it. It's that's, just like that's the understatement of the year. I, again, <laughs> I thought he did a really poor job. I, there was no like, do you know how the, like there was no moment of him being to Ralph like. Do you maybe think for a second how this sounds to her? Do yeah. you like like God? I don't have a license, but like to me, like those are the questions I would be asking as a therapist. No, I wouldn't even be asking those questions because at this point, I would be going. It is clear that she has a lot more respect for you and what you are going through than you have for her and what she's going through. And what needs to happen here is you need to smarten up, you need to wise up, and you need to start respecting your goddamn wife or you need to walk. Yeah. That's what I would have said, but I wouldn't have kept my license after that because the second he smarted off to me, I would have been hands. Or I would so, say, I, or I would do like an impromptu solo session with Drew after this and just be like, so you're walking, right? Yeah. Like, so, so this is done, right? So here is um, Phaedra's number. Because you know she called Phaedra. Uh, yeah. I mean, there, there's a reason. Like, there, it's been rumors that she either is using Phaedra or that Phaedra recommended another attorney. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, we get ready for the pass release party. Uh, Don Juan tells Candy on the phone that there's 200 RSVPs when Todd explicitly said in the beginning of the episode that he only wanted 100. Well, I mean, between cast and friends of cast, that, that's already 100. Sure. Um, there was also this fun moment where Sheree's getting ready and with, with her daughter, Callie, and they're going through like per the purses she should wear and like, oh, Martel got me this. And she goes, oh, Martel has good taste, surprisingly. <laughs> Callie don't fuck with him either. <laughs> See, Drew and Ralph arrive and they have like the, like Don Juan put out like the little walk of fame stars with like all their names mm -hmm. on it as like a party thing. And Ralph is like, like as soon as like, again, we just saw this intense fucking passive aggressive, vicious therapy session. Right. Right. We've seen him be antagonistic to her whole, whole episode. Now we get the big scene at the past view viewing party and he's so excited for her and is like, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah oh babe. This is so like, it's so performative. And it's Drew disgusting. Drew literally calls out the confessional and goes like, Ralph knows how to show up and play the part of a good husband. It's that part that I don't understand. Like who is my real husband? Yeah. Cause the, cause this is the big event where he gets to be the star of real housewives of Atlanta. Right. Yeah. 
Um, there are a bunch of guests arrive. Ti and Tiny are there. Um, we're not going to talk about any of the, that controversy. Uh, oh, I forgot about all that. Yeah, um, she's in Candy's group. It's fine. Um, Cynthia arrives and she has her hairstylist as her date, which everyone's like immediately confused by. She's like, "No, no, no, he's just my hairstylist." She goes, "People were confused, but the only thing Jason was laying down was this good wig." <laughs> and she did have a great bob. She did. It was cute. That bob was great. Shamia is there in that same fucking bodysuit that Teresa Judice and like Nini had worn at one Tamara, point. Tamara, I think, has one. It's like, my God, can, what? It's not the uh, thing. Mia from Potomac has one. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I don't like it. Um, Sonya like offhandedly mentions that, like, oh, does she's been having like cramping, like pretty, and, and I'm like, oh, God. I think like, Dorit has one too. Every one of them fucking has that bodysuit. It's, it's bad. It's, it's not even a good bodysuit. No. <laughs> Mama Joyce gets like a full entrance. And in terms of like the camera, you know, when they get out of the cars and do like the slow, like slow-mo pan for like the housewives, Mama Joyce gets the full, yeah. like, okay, walk this, walk this. I'm, I'm convinced that she got out of the car and walked up to the production and said, Okay, now can you give me that uh, slow mo camera thing that they do on the Oscars? Uh-huh. <laughs> and then her going up to Cynthia and saying hi because they haven't seen each other for a long time, and then grabbing her hand and going, "Let's see if you got that thing on." And Cynthia has to be like, "No, I'm divorced." <laughs> you know she knew. She got her ear so close to the concrete, she got uh, road burn on it. Yeah, Candy had to be like, "Mama, stop." <laughs> Candy says that tells the girls that like you know Drew really did her thing you know she did really great in the movie you know even with all that back and forth of her kissing girls she tongued it out <laughs> I was like don't put it that way well actually when you, if you watch the pass it was the other woman who did the tongue anyway yeah <laughs> we see Drew getting ready backstage because she's performing as well tonight and we see a brief shot of her with Ty huh it's it's very offhand but also I wouldn't I wouldn't think that it was romantic. At I least from what they so. showed. Yeah. Like, it was, in the gr- it was in a group of, like, other people and stuff like that. She, like, squeezed, you know, around people, gave her a quick side hug. It wasn't even a front hug. It was a side hug. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say, I mean, we've only seen her at this one event, you know, not throughout the season. But, like, hey, Sandoval, that's how you hide an affair. Yeah. <laughs> not like Allegedly. Jump- not, like, jumping up to defend her at any, like, minor inconvenience. Allegedly. Or, you know... Hey, Ralph, hey, yeah. <laughs> this is how you hide an affair. Not that, <laughs> that's the better, yeah. So Drew comes out to say hi to everybody. Um, she hugs everyone. She hugs Courtney, and like Courtney kind of does like a, it's a side hug, but it's very much, it's not. It's, again, it's real quick. Again, it's not cousin-in-law-y uh-uh. by any means. It's not, the, it's not the beginning of the season when she went to the Candace show where Courtney was like, oh my God, you like, But it, she's not even Drew's cousin-in-law. She's Drew's cousin-in-law-in-law. Right. Because Courtney is married into no has a uncle, but no, she her wasn't dad saying, is married. She wasn't into calling the, Ralph cousin-in-law until that speak on it, right? Right. <laughs> um, Courtney then goes to hug Allison, and Allison gives her the cold as the shoulder, just like no. And Courtney's like, "Oh my bad," and Allison goes, "Yeah, no, it is your bad." <laughs> I love her so much. Work. She's the best. And, and that it also lends me to believe our theory that you suggested before that Allison may not be Drew's sister, but might be her, her mother. Because mother. that makes more sense to me. Yeah. Because that was a motherly reaction, I feel. Oh, yeah. 
Um, Courtney then decides to pull Alice into the side the way Courtney puts it. So we don't ruin their moment. And Candy's like, oh, for fuck's sake at this party. Allison's like, you looked me right in the face and you said you didn't call Drew a bitch. At the end of the day, like, just be honest because we can move past it. And Courtney goes, it wasn't a lie at that moment. I, I was like, what does that mean exactly? The only thing, like, okay. So I think at, you know, episode 47, like, you probably understand how my brain works. My brain tries to find the possible path forward. The only way that that makes sense, right, is that she's had not initially remembered saying that. Right. So that when she initially said, I did not say that, she did not remember saying that. And then she saw the video and then she was like, okay, well, yeah, now if I say that I didn't say that, that's a lie. But I didn't remember it. So when I said I didn't say it before, that wasn't a lie because I didn't know that it was untrue. It doesn't help also that Courtney's now told like five different stories about this. Right. So, so, so Drew then joins the conversation, right? And Courtney goes, I said that bitch in a reference. And Drew goes, a reference to who? And Courtney goes, to you. And, and Drew's like, Okay, so you were saying it about me. So now it's not that she said it to Sonya, which I, I guess Courtney never explicitly said that. It was more production having her back in that regard. Well, and Marlo. And Marlo. I wonder where production got that idea. Anyway. Yeah. But, like, so she says here that she was referencing Drew, but then on Speak On It with Candy, she says that she was imitating Drew. Like it was a reference to something that Drew had said before. And so she was emulating Drew while also talking about Drew. Right. Like Drew had said this bitch in reference to Courtney. And so then Courtney was saying this bitch in reference to Drew, but not calling her a bitch. She was more just using the word bitch because Drew had used the word bitch. Yeah. It's convoluted and feels like bullshit. But I'm just trying to parse out exactly what it is that she's saying. Drew in her confessional goes, I'm just confused and flabbergasted in this moment. <laughs> the fact that Courtney just admitted it. Courtney, they then immediately flash to Courtney's confessional. I think that Drew is confused. The only reason I'm apologizing is to get Drew to shut up. Like, just outwardly being like, like, again, like, so you're just fake. Like, yeah. Courtney's very quick to, much in the, she kind of went to the Diana Jenkins school of like, Oof. maybe not as bad, but just like sort of like say anything without any backbone or merit or like. I'm know. glad we didn't have this podcast when Beverly Hills was running before. Because no, it we would have got cease and desist from Diana. Oh, yeah. She would have sued us hard. Um, Courtney's like, you know, at the, you know, I own it. You know, whatever. I own it. I called you a bitch. And Drew says, so don't ever call me a bitch again because I didn't deserve it. And Courtney then goes to Allison and goes, did you ever call her a bitch? And at this point, and Allison clocks it immediately. She goes, so you said that because you talked to Ralph. I love Allison is smart as fuck. I'm sorry. She literally picked up like, you didn't just pull that out of nowhere. So conveniently, the thing that Ralph said to me in the kitchen, you're now repeating. Right. Separately in this moment. Well, she's had, the thing is, is that she's had Ralph's number since day one. Yep. And when she came back into the picture, she picked back up on it. She was like, this shit's still happening. You still ain't shit. You weren't shit. You still ain't shit. And now you still up to some shit. And so we're not doing this again. Right. We won't get into it too much, but um, so 
we mentioned that Courtney was on Candy's Speak on it. Um, and Courtney had some really fucked up things, I feel, to say about Allison in yeah. terms of, you know, I don't want, I, you know, I was worried, like, you know, b- the way that Drew talked about, like, her mental health, basically implying that, like, she was going to, worried she was going to be violent with her. Well, and what's what's frustrating is she was couching it in language that sounded concerned. Yeah. Right? Oh, like, so yeah. It is perfectly fine to have concern for someone who has had a lot of mental health struggles to the point that they have ended up in the hospital. Like, it is very valid to have concern for that person when they are then, you know drinking or taking any sort of like mind altering anything right so, it is but it she is but natural. you don't know that i don't believe allison was drinking well sure that that Cor- might be the Courtney case Courtney was making the comment of like drew was feeding her drinks right that's fucked up yeah but also it is and and we do know that sometimes on these shows the producers push alcohol a little bit we know yeah. that that happens right but like to that's not on you. And it's also not on Drew. Like, cause Courtney was trying to make it Drew's fault that she was, that that was happening, that Drew was exploiting Allison by bringing her on the show. Or implying that they crafted a story that she had mental illness that she didn't actually have. Right. Which I thought, which is also gross. Candy also kind of tipped into that to an extent. Well, but she's, her thing was, she was like, I didn't understand it at the beginning. Cause she seems so like well adjusted. Right. So I was like, Drew, are you being honest about this? And then, and she was like, once she Allison spoke at the retreat, she was like, okay, now I get it. At least Candy would like Candy's initial thought was fucked up because like you can't. But I think that that was less about her doubting Allison and more about her doubting Drew because Drew has been so shady and cagey in the past around Ralph. Yeah, I want to see what happens at this reunion because Candy seems fully done with Drew, and and I mean she literally says in the trailer like implying that drew might be gaslighting ralph which i don't see well i think that that has more to do around um around the possibility of this tie rumor being true right but like and uh all i will say is that all of this seems like there's more echoing in the past than even we had originally thought of anyway sure uh, Drew and Courtney are still getting into it And Courtney's like doing a lot of stuff with her hands Like doing like windshield wiper essentially With her hands mm-hmm. And Drew's like all your exercise has to go And Kenya's like let me grab my drink And goes in between them to walk past them And goes excuse me these hands are a problem And I was like word <laughs> Kenya So good Ken- Drew's like oh, well, I gotta go on stage And Courtney goes good you should prepare yourself for that Um Monietta <laughs> Monietta shows up in like full red, which there wasn't really a dress code, but like it seemed like everyone was wearing either like anywhere between like blacks and like, um, like sort of that sort of color route. And she was just yeah, like, like bright red, like black, gray, like that sort of yeah. Marlo arrives. I will give one thing credit to Marlo. Her ponytail was amazing. Oh yeah, I thought it looked fantastic. And then like she says hi to everyone, and then like snubs Kenya sort of. But I was like, why are we showing this? Like like. If you're not going to show the depth of like how Marlo and Kenya got into it throughout the season, because according to Kenya, there's plenty of time that Kenya and her got into it that wasn't shown. Well, yeah, it's because they couldn't edit it in such a way that may, like I I yeah. don't even know why they bothered to show the the thing with um at the in the, in Birmingham because yeah. that didn't make Kenya look bad. It made 
Marlo look bad. Right. I don't know why they bothered to show that one, but I'm pretty sure that the rest, the reason that the rest of them were cut is because they made Marlo look bad. And that's frustrating to me, too, in the sense that, like, I was telling you, like, you know, the critique on Kenya this season is that it doesn't feel like she's particularly activated or invested in anything that's happening with the dynamics of the group. And I, it does come off that way. But now, while looking back, I'm like, okay, but, like, is it because that's how Kenya was? Or was that because it, all those moments were edited out? Right. Because there's threads that come up that clearly come from somewhere. And it's like, well, where does this, where, where is the rest of this thread? Like, there's chunks in the middle of here, here that are missing. Right. They play the trailer. <laughs> Everyone's really happy about it. True in her confessional. Ladies, now that is what you call acting. Because I don't like women. Because I don't, I, I don't, I don't like women. Because I would never have sex with a woman ever. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. Um, we find out from Candy that, because Mama Joyce says that, you know, it went really well. Like, you guys should, as long as you guys are happy, I'm happy for you. Mama Joyce is going to therapy, but not, they haven't gone to family therapy yet with, like, Candy and Todd and all them. It, it is nice to hear her veil her disdain, you know, a little bit. Sure. Because that was clearly still pointed. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like, I'm going to be nice. It and still I'm sounds say, nice. It sounds nice, but but really... Everybody knows that, well, if you're happy, I'm happy means that's a mess and I don't want nothing to do with it, but I guess. Yeah. Uh, Drew gets on stage to perform Already Know. Does a really good job. I love her performing and Kenya is like stage momming at one point like she's in Mean Girls. It was verbatim Mean Girls. <laughs> so perfect. And then we get some of some of the end title cards that we would get for the end of the season. We found out that Candy and Todd are producing a revival of The Wiz. Um, because uh, piano lesson didn't win the Tonys, but you know, still, but still, she gonna get that he got. She'll get it eventually. Um, Sheree's fibroids are doing much better and shrinking. Um, we see Kenya's hair spa has soft launched, and we see clips from it, but not like, like yeah. ten seconds of it. Honestly, I feel like we wouldn't have even got those clips. If there hadn't have been such outrage last week from this, yeah. from it not being on the show. And then we also find out that Mark is trying to have Kenya. We know this, but that Mark was trying to ha- uh, hold Kenya in contempt because of that scene with Marlo. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck him. Um, and then and fuck Marlo. Yeah. They all take the big group photo and then we see the graphic that says filming wrapped on January 28th. And then we see filming resumed March 1st, which we were when it popped up, I was like, Holy shit. They resumed filming because of this divorce, picked up cameras on March 1st, the same day that the fucking scandal thing happened. Right. Because like, that, that's the day that Ariana found the phone. Well, right. Because then I was thinking back in my head, we knew about the, the Drew divorce. And I think I want to say that it, we mentioned it on the podcast that week because we found that would have been Wednesday. Yeah. And then we taped on Thursday, and uh, Eamon famously picked um, uh, Raquel as his top for the week. Thanks for thanks for bringing that. <laughs> and then Friday on the third is when the news broke about Scandal. That was a week for Bravo. That was mind blowing, and honestly. Drew is lucky that that oh, all happened. They got buried. It got buried. Everybody went to, to the Scandal route and forgot the fuck about the Drew Drew well, Sedora shit. Well, because I think that makes more sense because now we know when the like the confessionals 
were filmed, right? And when the Thai stuff comes out, right, we didn't give a fuck about that. We were focused on Scandaval, right? And it was months of Scan. I'm still tired from Scandaval. Yeah, we go to Marlo reading the stories about Drew and Ralph's divorce, and goes, "What's y'all's next chapter, child?" Because the streets is talking, and we just go through shots of like everyone reacting, like Kenya's reacting in her confessional, you know, and is sad about it. Um, you know, Sonya's reacting. Marlo FaceTimes Sheree. And so we find out, we knew a lot of this, but so Marlo relays that, like, basically it's saying they raced to the courthouse and, like, right. Drew filed, like, an hour before he did, you know. But, like, and Drew clarified later that, like, no, she definitely filed first before that, but then he wanted the story out first. So he leaked To it. make it seem as though he did it. Right. And that's more what the race was. Marlo said, Marlo then brings out how the streets are saying that Drew is dating Ty, who is an ex of Mimi Faust, who's on Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, um, which I, we don't watch Love and Hip Hop, but you know, so that's sort of that realm that Ty is from. Um, Sonya talks about how, like, you know, I was at Ralph's birthday like a week before they filed, and like they looked happy and like, Perfectly in love and all that. And what's the show that Martell's on? Martell's on Love and Marriage. Love and Marriage. Love and Marriage Huntsville. Um, so many different shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like Sonya's like they were perfectly happy. But then Marlo claimed that Ty, she well she wasn't there, but that she had heard that Ty was at Ralph's party, right before. That's bold on Drew's end if that's true. Um, Candy, they go to everyone's confessional to sort of like get their thoughts. Candy basically confirms that Drew met Ty on set for the pass, essentially. Uh, Drew says that like it was a friend of, um, later says it was a friend of uh, her co-star. Manana says that at one point while filming the pass, Drew told her something to the effect of, me and my husband don't work out. I'm going to talk to my crush. And, and Manana had to be like, who's your crush? And then she said, Ty. And this one, I was like, Okay, I mean, it's good to know this for the reality show, but I was kind of like, you can be a better friend to her in this moment because yeah. that shit's going to get used against her in the divorce. Yeah, that part I was, I was upset about. Because if you watch, um, I mentioned this to you, if you watch the after show this week, Kenya makes the explicit point to be like, I never heard anything until it was coming out in the blogs. The, the blogs and all that stuff was the first time I heard any rumblings of anything about Drew being with Ty or anyone else. And to me, that's a good friend. Yeah. Even if it's not true. It could not be true. It might not be true. But Ken, it, Kenya saying that shows to be a really good friend. And I think part of the reason is because Kenya is going through that right fucking now and knows what that process looks like. Yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah, I didn't, I personally was like, oh God. Um, so we get, we're going to get to more of that stuff later. Then we go to, I think it's a couple days later, and Sonya is uh, at home in bed working on, like, Mommy Nation stuff, and her mom brings food in her bed. And so this is when we get the update on everything that's happened with Sonya, which is that she went into Dr. Jackie's for her seven-week checkup, and basically Jackie had said that the baby wasn't growing and that it wasn't viable, hence what we mentioned before about, like, the fact that she was saying it was five weeks, or five weeks and five days, and it didn't seem, like, now it's like, okay, but probably. Yeah probably had something to do with that basically and it's really sad so she basically scheduled a dnc for monday um but she had to go to work in new york so she like can i go to work on thursday and they're like fine so she goes to travel to new york on thursday 
um, basically had the miscarriage in New York, um, went to the hospital, needed like a full blood transfusion, like thought she was going to die. Like it terrible triggering stuff. And she mentions that like, it was just even worse than the fact that Ross wasn't there. Right. And like, you know, just a compounding of things and like, yeah, just really, really terrible stuff. And then she talks about the toughest part was telling Deuce. And, and this was, I, I like, so fucking sad. That, I like, would have just not told Deuce. You, you, um, because it, it, unless it was just going to yeah. take, unless something happened where they weren't able to get pregnant again immediately. Yeah. I would have just let it go. But Deuce I, can't do that. Deuce is like, Deuce years old. He can't like tell the difference. Right. But I think I understand what she was thinking, which was that she was describing like, so basically like every night, like he, we would say a prayer and like he would put right. his hand on my stomach to pray for a healthy baby and stuff like that. And so I come back from New York and then we do, and then it's the routine and we do that prayer again. And I felt terrible right? because it's like, I feel like I'm lying to him. Yes. But I don't know that necessarily that age is the right time to talk about that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. No, like, I, I, I personally would have, if you didn't, weren't able to get pregnant again pretty much immediately like they were, then I would have then told him after. Because she also needs time to deal with that yeah. for a second before she's trying to lead her child through those big emotions that he's maybe not ready to deal with. Right. But like she needs to deal with those big emotions first. Right. But yeah. And I think that's also the two sides of it too, which is just like, it seems so raw for her right? to where she, I mean, I can't even imagine putting on that brave face. Right. You know, yeah. In general. Um, but Sonia's mom talks about, you know, we always talked about how you need to slow things down and, and take time for yourself and not, you know, and, you know, not to say that, like, this had anything to do with it. It didn't. But, like, you know, now is the time to do that. You can't, you know, just right. power through it. And then we get the update, obviously, that Sonia is pregnant again. She has her rainbow baby, as it's known. Um, I think she's four months by the time we get to the reunion. So, yeah, R- you know, credit to her. Um, we then go a couple days later, and we go to Drew arriving for her confessional. I, and as she's arriving, Sheree is finishing up her confessional. This, I don't, I, it was a surprise to me. I didn't know they filmed them like, like you basically crossed them in the night. So yeah. We're like, I mean, well, it, I makes, mean, it sense. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, you can't, it, you don't have all the time in the world to like, you know, and all the days in the world. Yeah. Um, so Drew is getting her makeup done. Kenya FaceTimes Drew to check on her. She asked about the kids and Drew's basically like, you know, we don't really, I don't really know how to broach it. You know, it's obviously traumatic shit. So like, you know. And Kenya's like, I'm there for you for anything that you need, essentially. Um, I'd like that. I men- mentioned before, I like that Kenya and Drew have gotten their friendship together because they weren't always yeah. friends from the beginning. And it seems like they've kind of bought it in a, in a really nice way. Sheree checks on Drew and asks if she needs anything to you know, call her because, like, you know, she's here for her, even though we've had our differences. And, and, and then Sheree reveals that literally the day before her dad died. Yeah, well, because, yeah, Drew brings up that, like, her mom is... Because I think Sheree asked, like, is your mom in town? And Drew's like, no, she's with my dad because, like, he stopped talking and stopped eating. So, like, he's progressively, like, you know. Yeah. And then Drew, Sheree brings up that her dad had basically had the same thing. Yeah. And passed away, like, two days before this. I thought it was the day before. But, yeah, Even it, was, still, it was very, like, very raw. I was like, oh, my God. Like, don't, like, 
why but, are you here? Why are you here? Like, the, like, please, like. And then it sucks that, like, also later that we found out that, like, Drew's dad passed, like, I think a week ago today or yeah. two weeks ago. Um, which is also, I think, part of the reason why I thought it. I, I don't think it. I think Candy should have scrapped that speak on it with yeah. Courtney. Just both the mental health aspect in terms of like the da- her dad passing and like because it's all uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it's a lot. Yeah. Um. I I just find it funny that uh it, it's very charade that she's going through something very very difficult and very painful. And what what does she do? She goes, you know, I need to heal. Let me go throw some shade at these bitches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's so charade, and it's like... It's, my element. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go be in my element for a minute. Uh, Drew eventually sits in her confessional, but is crying, thinking about... you. Know, and she's like, I thought about... I'm just thinking about, like, the last time we were here together filming confessionals, you know, as a couple. Um, you know, then they get into it. So Drew talks about how she's lost her voice in the marriage and had allowed things that no wife should have ever allowed. She says, I allowed inappropriate relationships with women. I allowed Tampa, which I was also like, fuck, that's also the gaslighting on his part. You didn't allow yeah. Tampa. Yeah. I, I mean, yes, you maybe should have divorced him at that point, but it was like, that wasn't, it's not on you. It's on him. Like, right. fuck, that sucks. Like, Ralph talks about how he asked you, he was the one that asked you for the divorce and they got in a fight or something. And then, the producer asked Ralph what the fight was about, and then he calls his lawyer to essentially consult on if he can say, and his lawyer's like, no. And, and then she does the same thing yeah. because they ask her the same question, and she calls her lawyer. Right. Ralph says that we were going to... Uh, 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 the producer brings up that there's claims of infidelity in Drew's filing, that you were in, you step out in the marriage. Ralph basically is like, yes, we're going we're gonna to be responding to that claim in our pleading. Like, so, like, like it's not, there's no detachment, there's no attachment, there's no, like, emotion behind anything. It's just very much, like, another day at the office, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It just shows how he doesn't care. Yeah. I have some theories, um, and maybe I'll wait till the end of uh, the, we get done with the reunion to give y'all a chance to go watch this movie. But... Like I said, I, I think some things yeah. maybe are a little echoed. Not to spoil the ending. Yeah. But... Which is why I'm saying I, I will go into details in a couple weeks when y'all have had a chance to go watch the movie because it just came out this week. And uh, we get to have that sit down with Drew and Ralph At the on reunion. the reunion. I so... think that's going to be the real telling case of like, what are the parallels? Yeah. Um, Ralph says that he, Ralph claims he came back into the room after the movie and they cut the Drew and she goes, no, he didn't. Like, that's just a lie. Also, we see that this confessional in that fucking ugly ass Givenchy sweater yeah. is all post-divorce. That's a good point. Yeah. I fucking hate that sweater. Like, like all the shittiest things that he said in, in the confessionals has been in that fucking sweater. Yeah. Drew gets emotional again and they decide to take a little bit of a break from talking. And then we get the graphic on the screen because Drew's just like on her phone, like before they go back on. And it says 8 p.m. Mimi Faust posts a story suggesting her ex Ty Young and Drew had an affair. And then 801 news of the alleged affair hits the press and goes viral. And we see all the headlines. And the producer uh, asked uh, Ralph, are Drew and Ty dating? This would have been days after this, but asked, are Drew and Ty dating? And Ralph goes, 
Ty and Drew, they have a friendship, and he puts it in air quotes together. And that's pretty much as far as I can actually say. I can't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's he's got he's got to have a legal defense. He's gonna use right. legal defense. And then, but he goes, I can't talk about it. And then I, I I get that it was editing, but he him going, I can't talk about it, and essentially going, but I can have my minion talk about it. Courtney, what do you want to say? Right. And Courtney goes. Well, I mean, I heard that Drew's a good time. She's bisexual. And I was like, really? So I just asked Ralph, and it was no secret. Like, she has fun with girls, too, but he's aware of it. Mm-hmm. Why would she know? Like, again, it's like, who is just, like, who is just coming up to you to tell you that Drew is bisexual? Yeah, I just want to know what Ralph and Mimi Faust's uh, connections are. That's my question, because it's like, Drew later says that she feels Ralph is leaking it, but, like, I want to know what that connect. It it would mean there would have to be a connection between them. Or possibly a connection between um, Courtney and her, because Courtney does all that consulting. Yeah, she does, like, PR or something, PR stuff uh, with her firm may have a connection there. That makes more sense. Yeah. All allegedly don't sue us. <laughs> We're just spitballing. If yeah. the spitball happens to hit a target, I... Drew asked, Drew, after reading the headlines, asked her team, like, is it everywhere? And she's like, it's everywhere? Her assistant's like, don't freak out. And she goes, I'm freaking. I mean, I would too. The producer asked, what do you know about Drew and her girlfriend? And Courtney goes, um, I know that she visits her. And, and goes... The producer goes, visit her where? And she goes, Texas. It's like so clear what's happening. Yeah. It's so fucking obvious. She goes, I know that Ralph has a lot of, you know, the discovery. And they're like, discovery. And she's like, yeah, like when you're going through a divorce, you know, you get discovery in terms of, you know, all the evidence and stuff like that. I know Ralph feels pretty confident about the discovery that he has. I'm sure he does. It's like you've barely known this person. Yeah. Why are you all up in their divorce proceedings? And then the cameras go down on Courtney's thing, but she's still mic'd, and we see like the top of her head. Cameras go down, and she goes, I have pictures of them on my phone, but I wasn't gonna say that on camera. Why do you have picture why do you have pictures on her on your why of all people would you have that? She goes, Y'all shouldn't leave me in here with vodka that long. And then she says. Now we see why she was pushing so hard for that adoption because she was like, adopt this child so I can go be in my gay lover relationship and you pay the bills. And I was like, if, if this reunion doesn't start with Courtney, with Allison and or Drew rushing Courtney and pulling, doing a Porsche Kenya moment, I would be shocked. Like the audacity to say something like that. Oh Yeah disgusting not only do you barely know ralph you barely know fucking drew yeah she said on the fucking speak on it i've been a better friend to ralph in six months than drew has been a wife in eight years and i'm like you've known him for six months allegedly how the fuck would you know that what data would you have to fucking support that it's just it's it's disgusting. really disgusting. It's it's really fucking dirty. The producer asked Drew who Ty is, and she's like, "Well, she's a WNBA player." I'm. <laughs> Candy hated this part. She goes, "I met her on the set of 
oh, Candy's movie. And Candy on the speak on it was like, I didn't like her being like, oh, on Candy's movie. Oh, she met her on, I met her on Candy's movie. Like, and I get it because like Drew also was doing like a lot of implying that Candy was like scene right. building or whatever. So she probably took that much harder, harsher than maybe Drew even meant it to be. Like, right, but all Drew had to say was, on the set of the movie. Yeah. We all know what the movie is. Like, <laughs> it's a Candy's movie. It's like, um, Drew, <laughs> Drew that, are we recording? Which is never a good sign. Um, and the producer goes, have you heard this rumor before? And Drew goes, from Ralph. And like I mentioned, she believes that Ralph is leaking into the press. He, she says, he started to conjure up things that I may be doing, and this allegation was one. So, mm. that's interesting. <laughs> and then we get the title card for Drew, and it says, Ralph has apologized for his role in the disintegration of the marriage, dot, dot, dot. Not to Drew, but to People Magazine, <laughs> which is so Ralph. It's so Ralph. Um, and then Drew basically tears up with her assistant, and it's, yeah, it's, it's sad, and that's the big cliffhanger off of this season. Um, that was the finale. Like we mentioned before, great finale, but, like, uh, this season's had issues. But, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see the reunion. I want to see how that plays out. Nervous that it's two parts. Um, nervous for what the hell is to come with Atlanta based yeah. off of the reports. But here's hoping for the best. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of Real Housewives of New York City. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, you, you know, much. Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay in His Envy. Let's head on up to New York City where the woman who makes her living 
doing sponsored ads gets mad at someone else for possibly giving a sponsored gift <laughs> on Real Housewives of New York. That was a lot. Um, but yeah, new episode of Roni. This was kind of a a lighter episode. Like it wasn't there was it wasn't the most eventful, I would say. I will say I am missing Uba's presence. I think that's also, fuck COVID. Fuck COVID. Um which but we do see a scene of her like briefly in her house, like like an offhanded scene of her like making like tea or something. So I was like, can the cameras be in there? But she can't I don't know. Who knows? They, are, maybe they're in hazmat suits. Maybe. What are the rules anymore <laughs> when it comes to COVID? Um we start the episode by going to Jenna as she's doing casting for photos for her last company love scene. They're gonna be in Target and a bunch of other, you know, they're updating their website, so they need new models to model their lashes. Um Jenna, Jenna call me. I'll wear your lashes. Yes, please. <laughs> Jenna invites uh, side to the uh, casting and she goes, you know, the talks about why she goes, I'm an older white woman. And when someone comes in for a casting, I feel like it's so critical to see someone that looks like them so that they know the person looking at them sees them. And I'm like, she gets work. It. Well, cause she, she is a marginalized person. Like she's like, I, I she gets it. She yeah. understands. It's, it's, it's really great to see like, that progressivism on housewives that either, especially on roni that because i mean you could because you either had the ramonas or you had the heathers who were yeah. heather thompson who was like very knew knew what to say at times but also could step on herself at times sure but i feel like heather was still better than like a leah yeah oh no no, no. leah For was sure. hella performative yeah <laughs> to yeah. use Heather's word, we can't, Hella. We can't, Hella, sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> we can't rehash that season of Roni because, like, oh, Lord. Um, Jenna talks about, you know, d- tells one of the auditioners because she's, like, loosening up with people. She's having good rapport with them and, uh, like, asks about, like, do you have any, like, nicknames or whatever? And then she tells the story about how her real name's not Jenna. Her real name is Judith. And that basically her brother would tease her for the name all the time, essentially. And that she says that she was in college at one point and the professor basically did the whole thing of like, so if anyone here has a nickname or a name that they prefer to be go to go by, let me know now, et cetera. And Jenna had to think of something. And she was like, the only thing I could think of is that my brother used to basically always call me Jenna, Jenna, Jenna Talia. <laughs> Which, how do you, I just, how do you get from Judith to Jenna, to genitalia, to genitalia? Yeah. It's like that. I still had questions on. But like, you know, again, there's a through line. There's a thread that we're missing part of. <laughs> yeah. So I love this story. Later on, we see loved it way too much. Uh, <laughs> but she's like, it shows like the sweeter side of Jenna. But at the same time, you're telling your secrets to a complete stranger, but you can't tell your friends. Like everyone needs to know. And I'm like, no, not everyone needs to know. Not everyone needs to know. No, not. A, no, I don't. Mm. Sai, so but like. Sai, I like Sai overall. I like her because she's messy. I understand why people find her frustrating. This I, episode showed a lot of the reasons why people find her frustrating. Here's the thing. If all of the people on the screen were lovely, wonderful people who treated with each other with kindness and respect, we would not have a show. Sure. Uh, to quote Wendy Williams, we do not watch Housewives for um, wholesomeness or something like that. We watch for the mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that—that's not. I miss quoting her, but that's the point. But yeah, I mean, like that's—that is sort of size. Like tick here is the like that she doesn't really accept Jenna 
just as who Jenna is. We saw it when they were trying to dress her up in the Hamptons and stuff like that to where right. it was like, no, she actually doesn't just need to, like, she doesn't have to operate the way you operate necessarily. Like, she can just do her and yeah. it's fine. Um, Jenna talks about, the, the topic of Jenna's breakup comes up again. She can tell that Jenna's still kind of feeling it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, but she talks about how she's okay with being alone, which I w- it sounds like sad, but then when she described it, I'm just like, yeah, but I get it. Like, you know, that's just Jenna's vibe, right? She is someone who can just be alone in moments and still be social in moments. And yeah. like you can have a range in that regard. Absolutely. Um, Jenna says that she thinks that Aaron's gonna be pissed at Cy. Um, for as Cy put it, her Irish goodbye when she left uh Aaron's party. And this is where I love Cy. Cy goes, I honestly, between you and I, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I just don't care that she's mad. So Sorry. Yep. Like, which I appreciate to a certain degree. I'm just like, I had to eat and I was starving and sorry. Like, I'm sorry. You've hosted three events or three moments where the girls could eat that I can remember. Or no, four. Sorry. One, you took them out to eat. Another one, you served um, pigs in a blanket. Like, a plate of them passed around this party of like 500 people. Mm-hmm. Um, Another one was caviar on crackers. And Pringles. Uh, and Pringles. Can't forget the Pringles. It was an important part. And then the other one was, like, weird breakfast that nobody wanted. <laughs> sure. So, like, you are, like, one in four for, like, your score of doing well on food. You don't get to talk right now. Yeah. You get to just shut up and listen. <laughs> nobody likes your food. Well, Shut up. Well, speaking of that, so we go to Aaron's and her and Abe are hanging out uh, towards the end of the night to talk about like their anniversary party and stuff like that. Aaron's like, yeah, everyone said it was so great that the food was so good. And I'm like, who lied to you? <laughs> Maybe after like the five hours of speeches and they actually had food. We'll get to it later at the at the wreath party. But it was like. I I think Aaron has outside of this group has a lot of friends that probably lie to her. Yeah. And I think everyone else here is just kind of honest and like not going to bullshit. So, you know, she's like, you know, but the way the girls kind of behave really rubbed me the wrong way, you know, and basically it's like, well, Kelly basically told me that they were like talking during our vows and stuff like that, which they were talking during the speeches mainly. So that's different. And again, as Bryn pointed out, everyone was. Right. And also half of them talking was, oh, my God, there's no food. Oh, my God, her (laughs) hair's on fire. And the other part was getting yelled at by your sister. So, like, really, like, most of that was forgivable. Yeah. So Abe decides that this is the point to bring up the jokes that Bryn was making. And and I can understand outside the scenario of Abe doing this, but I also am kind of like, you know your wife. Yeah. You knew she wouldn't take kindly to this. Yeah. She goes talks about how Bryn was like, oh, so technically you can get out of the marriage. And Aaron's like, are you kidding? Like, did you laugh? And Abe goes, I laughed. And Aaron goes, oh, thanks. That's nice. Like, like mad at Abe. And Abe's like, fuck. <laughs> like, I shouldn't have said anything. Abe's like, yeah, I guess, I guess the setting was like kind of weird. Like, like, like Abe is he like, could have said it caught me off guard. And that was not a laugh that I was thinking it was funny. It was a laugh of, Oh shit! What did she just say? Sure, which like, I think is what which it is was. probably what it was. But like, dude, be more self-aware. Yeah, 
Aaron goes, our kids were right there. What if they had heard it? That's unacceptable. And they're also in the house right now as you're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, so she like, literally pulls her two-year-old in because he can't sleep or whatever. And they're still having this conversation. Our child right here, the one you're looking at, could have heard this the other night, even though they're hearing it right now. Yeah. Abe was like, it was just funny at the time. And Aaron's like, I don't know why you're laughing. Like, I'm disgusted. Abe's like, I hear you. And like, you know, in retrospect, like, it was probably wasn't the time or the place. Abe knows how to like, at the very least, be like, yeah, you're right, honey. Like sort of like, sort of like give Aaron what she wants. Also, why was your two-year-old at this late night cocktail hour thing? Sure. Like where people were drinking and oh, not uh, really eating. The two-year-old probably wasn't there. I know their seven-year-old was there. Because the seven-year-old was the one that like... Still, ran- unless they're like teenagers, they shouldn't be at this sort of event. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, they don't have the ability to like govern themselves, which is not their fault. Unless but, like, you have like extended enough family to watch them. But, but like, even then, like at a certain point, put them in a playpen. Yeah. In the back room. Like, don't do not do that shit. Jessel and Pavit go out to dinner. <laughs> I love the Jessel and Pavit scene so much. Yeah. Pavit goes, really cool little area, this restaurant. And Jessel goes, this area? Oh, is it Tribeca? Is it up and coming? <laughs> she says shit that's just like, she doesn't even realize how funny she is. Like, it's great. Pavit talks about how, you know, it's good having your mom here sort of to help with things with the kids and stuff like that. But he's wondering, like, you know, how hard will it be now, you know, with her eventually going to go back to London? Jessel talks about how she has to buy the kids more clothes. And she's like, I'm trying to be, like, judicious with it, but, like, the way that they're growing in the rapid rate. And she goes, but she goes, like, they eat like you, they shit like you, and it's insane. (laughs) What the fuck? Just any place for Jessel to, like, get a dig at Pavit is, like. He gives it back, though. Yeah. Jessel goes, I can't wait to start buying girl clothes. And Papa goes, that's not happening. Just very definitively, like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> and Jessel's like, eh, he says it, but mm. it's like. I don't, I don't like this. No, I agree. Jessel jokes like, you know, when, when I was a kid, my lucky number was always three. And Jessel, or Papa goes, actually, when I was my kid, two, the number two was great with me. <laughs> yeah, I just, look. I, I believe that women have the right to do what they want with their bodies. But not when it's put in the bill. There should be no, within a marriage, there should be no new child unless both parents are excited to have a child. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. She get, says in her confessional, I mean, it took me so many years, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get these frozen embryos. And I think the castle deserves a princess, so we're definitely going for it. And then she pauses and goes, whether you like it or not. No. It's like... No. Jessel's like, well, my dad keeps asking for a girl, and Pavit has to go, I mean, your parents don't even know you did IVF. Like, how are they so confident that you're getting a girl? Like, that's... Because it's like, yeah, like... But also, it's not her dad's marriage. If her dad wants a little girl, go have a little girl. Right. But, like, having, if you're just having sex, the, Pavit says the nat, makes the point of natural, and Jessel corrects, like, well, technically they are natural. And he's like, you know what I mean? Like, right. But, like, if you're just having quote unquote natural sex in order to have a child, like, you don't know if you're getting a boy or girl. You don't know right. what you're getting. You know, we're going to have how many kids? And, like, as opposed to IVF, to where, like, you can. Right. Be more certain with it. Um, Jess was like, you know, I do need to talk to my mom, you know, because I've been putting it off for so long. It does feel like I'm lying to her about this whole stuff. Because Jess will talk to the past about how 
in sort of Indian culture, it's, you know, kind of looked down upon if you don't have children in the natural way and, and all that. And Jessel talks about how it was a really traumatizing period for her and felt like she couldn't really talk to anyone about it and that, you know, it kind of weighed heavy on her. Um, yeah, so she's going to seemingly broach this conversation. We go to Bryn, and she's going vintage car shopping with Gideon, her boyfriend slash ex-fiance slash current. They're currently dating at this point, right? No, I think they are flirtatiously friends. Okay. That's because it's so hard to tell. Like she's she speaks about the relationship because so she strings people along yeah. and keeps them on the string while keeping them from tying any knots with said strings. But it's also like if I'm purchasing a vehicle with some like a like a vintage car, it's like I wouldn't He's not buying it for her. He's just buying it and wanted her opinion on it. Well well she does joke when she comes and she's like, Well, he's not the vintage car person. I am. Like Right. He's buying it for himself for her. I guess. Yeah. She talked about how they were together basically for five years. Um, and well, I and I will say this. She says that Gideon basically proposed in this really like extravagant, like sort of I forgot what song like was like playing over like loudspeakers outdoors somewhere. And he like walks up with like her mother and her her dog or whatever and like does the full proposal. And that we said it before. That is like, what the fuck do you do? Do you say no? Yeah. Like, yeah. like I, I firmly believe that if you are doing a public proposal, the only time you should do that is when you have extensively talked about getting married. You are both like vehemently sure. on board with getting married. The only question is when is the question happening? Yes. Like, that's that's it. That's the only time that's acceptable. Otherwise, you're really pressuring and trapping someone into saying yes, and that's not okay. And according to Bryn, they were broken up at the time, technically. Right. She and, was with someone else. <laughs> and she literally says, the worst thing you ever have to do is call your boyfriend and tell him you're engaged to someone else. It's, oh, man. They t- she says that uh, Gideon's like a Disney prince. That she hasn't opened a door in five years. It's uh, that he does. And I get that vibe from him. He definitely has that sort of, he is very attractive in his suaveness. Uh huh. Like he has that sort of like, it helps that he's fantasy British. boyfriend vibe. He is, a British accent does so much. So much. Bryn remembers him writing, they, they talk, she's like, I started very like, early on Tinder during like the beta era. And I was just deleting people who I had swiped right on. Cause they just kept sending me dick pics essentially. And then I get to his and it's like a full paragraph of like, you know, fanciful words and like, can we right. get me it for a drink? And so that's when I decided to, you know, the, the bar is low fellas. <laughs> Basically like, just don't send a dick pic. <laughs> like gay guys want dick pics. So if you want to send dick pics, go get on Grinder, Growler, Sniffies, one of those other sites. Yeah. Don't go for women with that. Women don't want that shit. They don't give a fuck about that shit. They want you to invest in their personality and who they are as a human before any of that other shit happens. Right. So like like I know that that's what you think that you would want because that's what you want from them. That's not what they want. So stop thinking about what you want and think about what they want. What a concept, right? It's really not that difficult to have some empathy from the fucking person that you want to have a relationship and a future with. Yeah. Bryn makes a joke of like, why don't you sell my engagement ring and you can buy this car? <laughs> like, whew. 
It was a $250,000 car. Like, I know that we're going to talk about it later, about um, uh, how, like, the DeBros have sold their, their mansion. Yeah. And uh, uh, Terry was like, $55 million is, like, fuck everybody you've ever known money. $250,000 for an antique uh, Bentley, like, just dropping that cash. That's fuck you and everybody you've ever known money. Yeah, I agree. It's just like, I mean, collect collect Beanie Babies. <laughs> Don't collect cars. I just, it, like, and because also if you're collecting cars, you're collecting the most expensive cars, which is a, which uh, cars are in itself very expensive. Right. Like, uh, this just in. Eamon hates Jay Leno's collection of cars. Oh, does he have one? <laughs> he is famous for having a gigantic collection of cars. Yeah. Well, that checks because I'm not a big Jay Leno <laughs> fan in general. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. Uh, Bryn uh, basically, uh, she talks about basically what it was is that she panicked when she re- realized she was going to be someone's wife. And like she had saw like the ring in the, her with the ring on in the mirror and was basically like, this is happening and I can't like, yeah. This essentially. Um, Bryn makes a comment how she talked to a psychic recently and said that, and she said that, you know, yeah, like everything's good down there in terms of like having babies and like you'll likely have a boy. And she's happy about that. She goes, the world doesn't need another me. Can you imagine? Oh, jeez. <laughs> and then she talks about how she's contemplating freezing her eggs because, you know, she's, you know, still young enough, but it, she doesn't want to, you know, clock's ticking essentially. <laughs> and then makes a joke about like, yeah, with inflation, the cost of eggs has just gone up. So, you know. <laughs> uh, it's a cute dynamic that they have. I actually think they're very romantic with each other. And clearly, even when, like, he's, she's making comments of, like, I mean, sell the engagement ring and get the car, he still is invested in her. Right. And that tells me that he really loves her. Yeah. So. Well, and I think that she loves him, too. Like, yeah. the way that she... The, the issue is that she needs to work some shit out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She needs to realize that she is not her father. Yeah. She is not going to fuck shit up the second that she gets tied down. She is not going to, you know, sprint at the... Like, she literally has the ability to right all of the wrongs that her parents made. Right. And do it so much better than they ever thought that they could. And she doesn't think that she is worth that or that she can physically do that. Like, it's, it's very, I, I mean, to be fair, I've only taken a psychology one-on-one course, and that was like 10 years ago, <laughs> so bear with me. But, like, I, I vehemently believe that. Like, she, like, it's very clear, and that's, like, commitment issues number, like, one-on-one. Right. Is it, it has to do with you're afraid of echoing what your parents did. And you're afraid, whether that is you're afraid that you're going to cheat or that you're going to walk out on kids or that you're going to be abusive or that all of the X, Y, Z's that you, whatever it is that you went through, you're afraid you're going to be that. Yeah. And she clearly is not any of those things. And I think she needs to have more faith in herself and who she can be both as a partner and as a mother in the future. Uh, and I think once she realizes that, then she will be ready. But until she starts believing in herself and believing that she can be better than that, she won't ever settle down. Yeah. We see Jessel uh, going out to lunch with her mom, Nilam. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I love that we now, like, through this conversation, 
get that that's her mother. Like it makes so much more sense. Oh Cause, yeah, because like, she talks about like uh, jokes about like you know oh yeah my you know dad like dropped Kai on his head like five times already, and Nilam goes I'm scared when the kids are with him, and Justin goes. I mean, yesterday you were mad at me because I called him a shithead. And Nalam goes, respect. You have to respect your parents. And Justin <laughs> goes, I do respect him. You call dad shithead too, too sometimes. And Nalam goes, because he is a shithead sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's such a Jessel answer. <laughs> and, and also, like, the fact that, like, it does, it, like, also echoes Jessel and Pavit in many ways. Yeah. Like, there's so much. I mean, may- maybe Bryn's right. Maybe we are all just our parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nalam says that basically, like, her, her parents were really strict, and so she didn't want to do that with her kids. And Jessel goes, I mean, you were strict. You, you were very strict. <laughs> like, don't Yeah. And then Jessel decides to just sort of rip the Band-Aid off and tell her about the story about the IVF. Um, and she was like, you know, I went. She details everything. She went through two rounds where basically nothing worked. And so at this point she was six months in, you know, like $50,000 and like, you know, just injections and hormones and like, you know, the, cause it's also just like such a taxing process. I right. like, I know Candace has talked about it on Potomac and like all that. Um, and she's like, so imagine telling you all this stuff. And Nilam was like, I would have immediately taken the next flight and like, come to new york and like i love that her mom's response is not centering herself no i love that it's about i wish i could have been here for you i wish that you didn't have to go through that alone yeah it's really non-judgmental it's very uh it's it's non-judgmental it's a lot like my mother in a way it's not not it's non-judgmental slightly guilty guilt trippy still because she was like you should have told me essentially like so right. i could have you know fixed everything essentially but, but less guilt trippy and more um i wish i like it, it, it's less of a how dare you not tell me and more of a if you had told me i could have been here right and it, i don't i don't know it just it just seemed very wholesome I didn't expect that out of out of her family. No. I don't know why. Jessel was like, you know, when I would have a cold, my mom wouldn't sleep, essentially. Like, yeah. she internalizes that stuff so much to where, like, she just makes it her whole yeah. being, essentially. So I didn't want to put her through that. And her mom gets emotional about not knowing and not being able to help. And she basically is like, you know, you would have been amazing if you did. Like, you know, it would have been it would have been great. But also, like, with our culture... You know, what would have happened if I was honest about it? And she was like, gossip. Like, everyone would have just gossiped. You're right. And like, yeah. you know, and which sucks. It's just so, <laughs> which I also think of like, and I don't think Jess is a gossiper, but I'm like, but also like that. So you're She's so, not. I don't think directly a gossiper, but I think she does kind of like, ju- is a little judgy. And to where, like the sort of yeah. New York style, like high society judgment where it's like, I I find it easy hard to think that she can't like translate that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, don't change because it's hilarious. But like for the show, um, she just tells her mom like I knew it was gonna be I was gonna be fine, and it was, and I got two for the price of one. It's the biggest bargain that you could get. <laughs> um, and Jessel basically like I just hope you'll be by my side for baby number three, and everything. So yeah, and but she, I mean, you still gotta convince Papa. Um. Because you still have to convince Pavit. You can't just do it on your own. <laughs> Seriously. Um, we go, Please don't. <laughs> we go to Bryn uh, arriving for her wreath-making event that she's putting on. Um, everyone starts arriving. Jenna brought, like, 
an exorbitant amount of gifts. <laughs> like she's like struggling getting out of the taxi to like get all yeah. this. She shops like my grandmother used to shop, which is just everyone has a pile and you start like if you see something that you know, speaks to you of somebody that that thing just goes in their pile. Right. And then when the holidays come, you just gather up everybody's piles and hand them their piles. And that's just, and it, it the, the pile starts on January 1st. Yeah. Like, that's just how that works. And I think that that's just how Je- Jenna does her stuff. And she's like, I got, you know, I'm not going to be seeing them until after the holidays. So I want to get this all out of the way. Like, and, and also everything's all female and it's small business and it's just like stuff I love. So I'm just like giving it to them. Um, Sai arrives and there is food for her. There is food, but she's like, it doesn't look good to, to size liking. She's like brown avocado. Like that's not my vibe. Like I'm not going to have like fried food for like breakfast. And so she just gets like this tiny ass fruit plate essentially. See, there's food. This is a good spread of food. Yeah. And she's still picky. Yeah. That's my, like, size picky. Like, the avocado toast didn't look that bad. It didn't look that brown. It didn't look that. It didn't look really brown at all. It looked to where maybe the lighting was the issue. Yeah. I could see that. Um, Jessel uh, asked Jenna, like, I guess because her brother is, like, coming into town. She's like, oh, did he arrive yet on the plane? And then Sai goes, is this the same brother that called you genitalia? And they all are like, oh, what? And Sai, <laughs> Jenna is like... Jenna's smiling through it, but it's like... She's clearly bothered by it. Je- Sai goes, I was bonding with Jenna the other day. And Jenna goes, yeah, clearly that bonding was very intimate. Yeah. Like, you just... You don't tell that story. That's for Jenna to tell. Yeah. Sai then... But, the, but then Sai just straight up then just starts telling the story. Like, just starts, like, not even, like, like saying, oh, Jenna, you should tell them. Like, just, I'm going to tell it right now. Right. And then she brought... So she brings up... Sides so like she brought up that her name is actually Judith, and the way Jessel reacts and goes, Judith, like as if someone died. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> well, what's funny to me is that once Jenna tells us that her name is Judith, I'm like, she looks more like a Judith than she does a Jenna. You think, well, yeah, I would say that. Yeah. But Jessel says, Judith to me lives on the Upper East Side. She wears pink wool and she shops at Bergdorf. That's not Jenna Lyons. Who are you, Judith? See, like, Judith to me is like a beatnik. Sure. Like, she wears, like, um, the uh, the French hat thing. What What is that? Yeah, a beret. A beret and, like, has, like, the one of those long-haired dogs. Yeah. Yeah, like that... And like wears like the mime stripe, black and white striped shirt, like that sort of thing with like a long brown trench. It's very much that like aura, aura. And I kind of get that from Jenna. Jenna also <laughs> says that her middle name is uh, Agar, and Jess is like, what? "This is like a Game of Thrones name. What's happening?" <laughs> but Jenna, Jenna talks about like sort of like with her marriage, how she dropped the the maiden name. Or, or the married name, and then now is just Jenna Lyons. But she's like, I miss having three initials, though, because I like to use them for, like, monograms for, like, shirts and all that stuff. And Jessel goes, you have JFL. I coined that for you. And Jenna's like, I'm going to go with that. And then Jenna and her confessional, I'm Jenna fucking Lyons. She is. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> um, Aaron arrives, and everyone immediately feels the energy shift. It's very much like when Candy showed up to the Beat the Bomb event, uh-huh. already ready to fight. Bryn's like, the energy is not very merry or jolly or bright. So 
And then Aaron in her confessional goes, I decided to go to this wreath making because I'm pissed off. I want to ruin her party. Just like she ruined mine. Uh, <laughs> she didn't ruin your party because you didn't know about it until afterwards. So shut the fuck up. It was, but it was giving the Tiffany Pollard vibe of just like, I ruined lunch because I was bored. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, they start the wreath making uh, and the instructor tells them, uh, you know, a, you, it doesn't have to be like perfectly symmetrical. Asymmetry is your friend. And Bryn goes, not for my boobs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, also, they get, we do a quick shot of Aaron's new confessional. Like, it's a clearly a newly filmed confessional. It looked like she was in Facetune. Yeah. Like, she, like, it was like, this was like before we had any money for casting. Now you've hired like an MUA. <laughs> She's, look, she has that, that, uh, airbrush powder on mm. that really just kind of like reflects the cameras. Yeah. It's, it's. Ah, uh, it wasn't very New York to me. Like it was, like it was a little too much to, yeah. for at least Aaron's vibe. Like, yeah. Um, so I asked what everyone's doing for the holidays, and Aaron's like, "Well, I'm going to the Dominican Republic with my closest cousins, where all the families are coming together in one house." And Aaron then goes, "Actually, if you had stuck around for the event, you would have seen the speech from my cousin." Aaron loves to do like the find her in and then shady comments. Uh huh. She loves that. And then Cy just goes, I mean, there were so many people giving speeches at your event. I couldn't hear a thing, to be honest with you. Like, Cy gives it as good as she, she takes it with Aaron. It doesn't surprise me in those giant, like, bank lobby areas. You wouldn't have been able to hear the PA system. Yeah. Aaron's mad that she didn't say goodbye. And Cy's like, you look, I was hungry. And Aaron goes, that's not a reason. Like, it is, though. To not say goodbye. I mean. It's a reason. It, I mean, sure. Um, you know, she, and then Aaron goes, I think it's incredibly rude, and I think you have bad manners. Just straight up. And then Cy goes, I don't care. Good for her. Like, like I, I know that I was just shitting on Cy uh, a second ago for, like, being mad about this food spread, but she had every right to leave that fucking party. I would have to. Cy goes, I go from zero to 100 when I'm hungry, and Aaron goes, there was tons of food. And Cy goes, no, there wasn't. Like... Like, I don't believe that there was, there's no way that there was tons of food from what we saw. No. Well, and clearly, like, and Sai goes on to say that she doesn't eat meat. Like, there, the food that was there was not edible for her. Yeah. So what was she supposed to do? Just sit there and fill up on liquor all night? I'm sure you would love that. That would have been a lot worse and more disruptive to your party, let me tell you. Yeah. Aaron goes, you clearly don't care. And Sai goes, no, I don't. <laughs> Good for her. You're not going to make me care. <laughs> like, I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. Aaron or Confessional, I'm getting so tired of size hungry excuse. Maybe get it checked out because it sounds like there's a worm in there or something. My kids get upset when they're hungry. You're 40-something. Eat. She did. She <laughs> left sure. and went and got food. Yeah. So I goes, I came, I saw, and I left. And Aaron goes, thank you for that sarcastically and then Bryn goes wait she gets a thank you <laughs> like of course Bryn then gets offended <laughs> and Aaron goes not an actual thank you and you're not getting any sort of thank you or anything nice from me because of what you did was horrendous <laughs> yeah Bryn could have just sat down there on the end and shut up and but she, it been she should have sat there and ate her food as, <laughs> yep <laughs> um, Bryn goes what did I do worse than everybody else and Aaron goes because she she didn't go up to Abe and say hey when you get divorced please let me know at my anniversary party do you think it's normal to do that Bryn's like you know you don't even know what you're talking about Aaron 
Jeez. I will say this, because then Aaron goes, you said, wow, so you're not actually married because at your first wedding you didn't say vows. And Bryn goes, is that what I said? And Aaron goes, and then you said, whoever you're, whenever you're ready to get divorced, please let me know. And I was like, as, ba as bad as it can get on Housewives, Aaron actually did a good telephone there. She, yes, she was not there for that, but she delivered it back pretty accurately. Yeah, I will say... Bryn was high off her ass. Yeah, yeah. That that's not really an excuse, but like I if can. If Tamara can use it on OC, I can at least understand why that would get past her filter. Yeah, you know, right. And Jessel goes, she was just doing it like Bryn style, and Bryn goes, maybe then tell him to stop laughing at my jokes. Then what? <laughs> She's like, it's a reference to Friends, Ross and Rachel. It was funny. I was doing a bit. Funny, haha, joke. She almost went there. She's like, I'm making jokes, and Abe can take it, and he was giving it back, too. Aaron says, I don't care if it's a joke to bring up divorce with my husband at my 10-year anniversary party. And then Bryn and Jessel go, she didn't bring up divorce. She never said divorce. Aaron goes, you did. Bryn goes, you weren't even there. And Jessel says, she definitely didn't bring up the D word. And then we get to a compilation of divorce, 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 divorce. And then also the <laughs> add one at the end of her going, uh, trial separation, <laughs> which <laughs> technically counts as divorce. Uh, like the, the producer's like, don't think you're going to get by that technicality. <laughs> well, now we, we were just reviewing from a couple seasons ago, the, um, reunion on married to medicine where um contessa oh and when scott gets confused scott gets confused about quad saying that contessa had filed for a separation and not a divorce yeah because they were talking about divorce and then quad slips in separation as if that's the same thing and then when he comes out there and says well that's divorce it's the same thing everybody's like no it's not the same shit yeah it's yeah Aaron, i oh I didn't understand Bryn points here. Bryn starts by going, I mean, I call him like Abe the babe. And then she goes, how are you mad at this? But when I woke up in your bed and made a joke about plan B, I was like, how is that the same thing? What was that? The, like, like your husband wasn't on the trip. Your husband, that, your, her husband wasn't in bed with you. No, but her husband should, would have had every right to be upset about that. I guess. In the same vein of her being upset about those jokes. It's the same sort of joke. So I understand why Jen or not Jen. Aaron. Uh, Aaron would be upset about one, but Abe has every right to be upset about the other. Sure, but I don't think he would be. I, just, he, I don't think he would be either, but what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Sure. Sai talks about how she's sitting across from a bunch of Grinches, and Erica Vessel, she's being like, look, it's not a big deal. Like, Bryn is just like a flirt. Like, it's not, there's no, she's not trying to take your man. And then Jessel and Erica Vessel, I know women that are out to get your husband. It was not one of those moments. I'm like, I'm sure you do. <laughs> Judge she, was, she was warming up on Abe so she could go jump your dad's bones. That's yeah. what was happening. Honestly. Bryn says, you know, I'm sorry uh, that you weren't there. And Aaron goes, it's one thing after another with you. And Bryn goes, it's not one thing after another. And if you accuse me of flirting with a married man, it's going to get really real. Don't. <laughs> well, I mean, but like considering all the stuff I just laid out about her being afraid to be her parents. Sure. 
can you then blame her for being upset at being accused of yeah, actual she's, flirting she's with a married mad that, man? She's mad that there's an, atten- an intention attributed to it that's right. not, that didn't happen. And I get right. that. Aaron goes, you weren't flirting with him? What were you doing then? And kind of stumps Bryn in that regard. Aaron's like, this is the problem I have with Bryn. She digs in her heels. She can't take ownership. And she can't apologize. And Bryn goes, it's a fucking joke. Don't flatter yourself. And Aaron goes, oh, yeah, was it comedy hour? And Bryn goes, yes, yes, it is, because the party was fucking boring. <laughs> I'm like, damn. I have, I flirt with so many straight men because I know that, it, like, if I'm really good friends with them, I will flirt with them. It's like, there's no intention there. Like, everybody knows there's no intention there. Nothing's ever going to happen. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's like, but it's fun and it's funny and it's even funnier when we're really close friends but it makes them squirm a little bit and i'm like uh 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 it made you uncomfortable i'll leave it alone now but it made you uncomfortable but aaron aaron's (laughs) clearly upset that that bryn has now said that her party was boring yeah (laughs) which i get is a but it's like aaron you want the smoke you're gonna get like cy and bryn are not gonna hold back whatsoever on that shit oh yeah and aaron leaves and starts to leave and cy goes Cy doesn't give a fuck. She's literally just like, bah, humbug, Aaron. Come sit down. Yeah. <laughs> As she just continues making her wreath, and Aaron goes, I'll take my sick wreath. <laughs> and Jessica goes, it's really pretty, actually. And, and Aaron goes, yeah, because I'm good at designing, and you all suck. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and Cy, as she's leaving, is going, goes, Merry Christmas. <laughs> It's so good. And literally, they're like, should we follow her out? And Cy's like, no, don't fucking follow her. <laughs> like, no, she she wants the attention. Don't give it to her. Yeah. Jenna in her confessional. I mean, Bryn, she flirts while ordering steak. It's just the way she operates. Like, I personally think Aaron took it a little too seriously. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think Aaron should have checked her on it, but I don't think it should have been this hard of a check. Right. I think it should have been. I really don't appreciate the that sort of joking with my husband. I get that it was a joke. And if she came at it with that tone, I think Bryn would have been like, yeah, you're probably right. Right. Like, I... Bryn's not unreasonable. Yeah. But like when you come at her and act, like accuse her of actually trying to like have an affair with your husband, that's going to trick that's going to like trigger something and you're going to get the digging in at the heels. Right. Bryn's basically like, I mean, I don't want her to feel bad and so I goes, "Why are you apologizing for something you didn't do?" And then Bryn's like, "Well, I want to acknowledge her, but I mean, have a sane conversation about it because she knows me and knows that that's absurd. Like I wouldn't like, yeah. you know, Aaron then calls her sister Kelly on the phone as she's leaving and she's like I just went off on Brent and Kelly goes are you serious and I was like is Lisa Barlow on the phone is that why Lisa because Lisa Barlow says she lived in New York right yeah like that I was like maybe that's what's in the water I don't know she goes Kelly 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 was looking for her moment like last week she Uh she goes I told you she's fucking rude She's such a bitch. And then she wore sunglasses as if it was fucking sunny. Like, honey, you're not a celebrity. Relax. <laughs> she wants an apple so bad. Yeah. But also I could tell it's like, it's like, it's Aaron like has probably like vented to her a lot. So oh, yeah. she's like, you know, um, this Je- is my moment. Yeah. Jenna starts handing out the gifts to everyone. Uh, Bryn talks about, she's like, I love gifts. I mean, I love gifts for men in particular, but I love just gifts in general. But it's weird when it comes in bulk. I'm like, is it? I, I, I love gifts in bulk. Jenna, um, DM me. I'll send you my address. You can send me gifts in bulk all day, every day. 
twice on Sundays. Jessel telling Jenna, you're so thoughtful always, Jenna. And Jenna's like, I mean, I'm sure Jessel is hyper aware from our last experience. And Jessel in her confessional, I'm on a thank you tour right now. Like, just like, <laughs> I'm going to say it every other word. <laughs> Jessel whispers to, but Jessel then whispers to Brynn at one point. It's like very like quiet, but if you catch it, she goes, can I get cash value for this back? <laughs> like, like, wow, Jessel. Uh, Not even, you can't even put up an, a, a front for like cameras at this point. It's great. Sai's like, I really love your like sponsored gifts. And Jenna's like, well, that's not a sponsor gift. I actually made that one. And Sai's like, no, I just mean like anyone that like with your name on it. Like, I, I say that's like a sponsored gift. And Sai talks about how she thinks like it's some like ulterior motive that Jenna's like wanting her to like promote her fucking brand stuff or whatever. And it's like, of course, Sai thinks that way. Right. Like, Jenna works pretty much nonstop like you do, Sai, except she's working on her own shit as opposed to hawking everybody else's. Yeah. So, like, all of the shit that she's constantly looking at and touching is collabs with her. So, of course, if she sees something that she thinks you might like, she's going to snag one because she can do it at cost. And it's also not extra time she's taking out of her day to go shop for people. Yeah, exactly. Bryn says, I don't think Jenna has an expectation we're all going to share on social. I think she has an assumption or a hope. <laughs> why? I don't think Jenna she, thinks that way. Like, why do, you, why do you assume ulterior motives? Yeah. I just, I don't understand that about people. Why can't you just take things at face value? There's no evidence of anything but that. Right. Um, they eventually then FaceTime Uba. So we get a little bit of Uba this episode. And Uba's basically asking if there's any food there today. So they put the phone like right by all the food and stuff. And so and Uba and Erkafos like, by the look of it, like I'm kinda glad I wasn't there. I'm like, it didn't look that bad. I've been craving like a fucking lox bagel for like a while and it looked pretty decent, the one I saw that was on there. So yeah. like Hey, but that's this episode of Real Housewives in New York City. Like I said, kind of a little lighter episode, not as eventful necessarily. Yeah. Um, we did get the mid-season trailer, which I think looks very eventful. Yeah, it looks like uh, things are turning up in yeah. uh, New York City uh, coming soon. So We'll definitely be on the lookout for that. But uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're talking about the newest episode of Real Housewives of Orange County. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. 
Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay in a Zimby. Let's head on over to California where the ladies are talking about picking pumpkins and petite peckers on Real Housewives of Orange County. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm genuinely impressed with that. It was like all the P alliteration was just, it was right there. And you just. You, you deserve to pat yourself on the back for that. That was good. I think I will. It was just... This was chaotic as fuck. <laughs> and. I, the audacity of this episode. We'll get into it, but it was good. Um, we start at the uh, Debro Mansion, uh, and Heather t- and Terry are having uh, their realtors, the Altmans, over, um, who you said were on Million Dollar Listing. Yep. LA. Mm-hmm. I was like, when they came in, I was like, they have the vibe of someone who has a show. Yeah. But I can't. Because they're too comfortable in front of the cameras to be just rando uh, realtors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so it was pretty obvious. Um, they're in escrow, but until the buyer basically removes contingencies, it's not a done deal in terms of anything. Heather talks about how though she manifested this on New Year. She was like, I manifested sell our, our house for sixty million dollars. I was five off, but I mean uh what's five million dollars off? I mean, come on. Um they break down everything. Josh, who's their realtor, says that it's the third highest sale in the history of Orange County. I could just see it go across both Heather and Terry's eyes like, damn, we almost had number one. <laughs> Honestly. But it's like 55, well, actually 55 million. In Orange County? Mm, yeah, I can see that. I mean, uh, kind of, because I'm also used to like, old school OC where it was like like the houses in Cotto like uh, all these yeah. smaller like I mean not smaller but they're like housing developments the, these it's are not like 55 million these are like maybe one or two million dollar houses yeah. like they're nice but that was also like 17 years ago so who knows what those houses are priced at now probably right. 10 or 15 yeah, I think like I mean at the end everything they do is impressive, the the bros. So it's like you know, um the but then they're like okay, so what are we gonna do though? Because the kids are the two kids who are in college are coming home for Christmas, and so we're basically gonna need a place for six, and we're just selling this home to just have our L.A. place, which is a two bedroom. So it's like, what the fuck do we do? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like you didn't think this through, guys. Really, like. And then Heather goes, maybe we'll just stay in the house. It's big. Will they even know that we're here? Like, it's fine. Which I'm like, that actually could work, honestly, with how big this house is. Honestly, that fucking master bedroom. Like, if you haven't actually watched the, because there's on YouTube, Heather did like a whole series of a walkthrough of this house. Number one, it's massive. Number two, it's fucking gorgeous. But, like, there's enough room in that master bedroom 
I'm pretty sure that that master bedroom is bigger than our entire apartment. Yeah. And our our apartment is not small, but like that thing is massive. There's you could put like I'd say like six king size beds and have room to walk in between them. Yeah. It's 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 insane. Um you so the Altmans then they're like, "Okay, we'll give you an update when, you know, stuff gets finalized." And they leave. And Heather and Terry are talking about how great they are, but like they feel like a younger version of us. And you Terry, were- <laughs> Terry like moves over to the seat that uh, Josh Altman was sitting in before, so that him and Heather can like look at each other because they were sitting next to each other. And he like points, you know, underneath him, like basically to his lap, but at the chair, indicating Josh Altman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says something about him knowing how to really close a deal and i was like it looks like you're pointing at your dick and saying that and i just i i knew that's not what you were saying because i understood the context but like just momentarily it made me giggle and um yeah but then as soon as the almonds leave they literally come back into the house and go so they just signed yeah and then so they get really excited terry's like this is where we get the line from terry $55 $55 million isn't fuck you money. It's fuck everybody you've ever known money. Yeah. And Terry, Terry, Terry's a bragger. I can say. And then Heather in her commercial, the fact that I had the best bottle of Dom chilling best moment ever. It's the, <laughs> it's the 2012. And then the producer goes, you didn't like the 10? No, no, the 10 wasn't good. <laughs> Note to self, if I ever want to splurge on a bottle of Dom, don't get the 2010. No. Um, Taylor is FaceTiming everyone to invite them to a fall festival that she's doing. Um, so I celebrate the changing of the seasons and all that, um, we'll, which we'll see later. We then go to Emily, uh, who invited Gina to go motorcycle shopping because um, she's going to get her motorcycle license. And Gina's just like, what? <laughs> like, Gina's like, can't we do like a less... can kill you thing like you know nothing that's gonna like you know really like hurt you i'm pretty sure that when she walked in she said something along the lines of i'm glad you didn't tell me that this is where you were we were going yeah yeah yeah. this seemed i agree this seemed odd emily was like you know i just want to try new things in that it's like it did it did give the vibe of like oh are you getting into motorcycles because Tamara loves motorcycles and yeah because i don't see shane as the motorcycle kind of guy well she literally says like shane was like oh god like i'm like shane wasn't originally for it but then eventually agreed the producer asked her if shane is shane gonna ride the sidecar with you and emily goes he's sidecar size so it works (laughs) um gina then brings up to emily what jen had told her last episode about shannon's cps comment right and so now we're getting into this stuff and emily's like there would have to be like a case for cps to be involved there'd have to be interviews conducted i mean shannon did go to law school for like a year like she should know this at the base level like it doesn't make like I, i i appreciated emily like parts throughout this of just being like even even as fucked up as the comment is, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like it that's not how this works. Yeah. Um, and then Gina's like, you know, I haven't done anything to Shannon. And Emily goes, I think clearly Shannon just doesn't like you. Yeah. I'm like, I'm yeah. glad that you finally laid that out because but yeah. that's but that's happened since like Gina's been on the show. It's that I mean, it's very much that she she's just not that into you. Like yeah. just like I think Gina's tries 
way too hard to try to yeah. Shannon in a way that's just like not. Well, I think part of that too is Shannon like adopted the whole Vicky hate the new girl thing. Yes. And like it was the Trace Amigas thing where they just like shun the shun the non-believer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Gina was the non-believer. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's what this all stemmed from really. Yeah. Gina's like, Shannon has zero respect for me and her sole mission is just to tear me down and starts getting emotional about it. Um, and it's just like, you know, it, it's too much for her. Um, and then we just cut to Emily trying to put on an extra large helmet. <laughs> and it's, again, I don't like motorcycles. I rode on a, my uncle took me on a motorcycle once and I hated it. It was the worst fucking experience of my life. It's not comfortable. No. You don't get to really enjoy scenery. No. Because like literally like it's either you have the helmet that's like got the windshield thing, but it's so like, you know, or you're, you don't have anything protecting your eyes and like, you can't fucking see. Right. Like it's the worst. My, my dad had a gold wing. No, a silver wing. When I was a kid, he has, I think he got a gold wing and then sold it in recent years. But like when I was younger, had a silver wing and, um, he um we were at my grandmother's house and i was like 7 and it was uh it was a sunday after church so everybody was inside watching the football game and i didn't give a flying fuck about that shit <laughs> so i was doing anything and everything to avoid it um so went outside and um was looking at the motorcycle and like was like, as kids do, like, you look with your hands, right? Right. But I wasn't, like, climbing on it. I was just like, kind of, like, touching. And, like, I think somehow I nudged the kickstand, and it fell over on top of me. Oh, fun. Yeah. I don't fuck with motorcycles. <laughs> and then my brother literally, like, ripped his foot off in a motorcycle accident. So, like, I don't fuck with motorcycles. Like, no. there, There's, there's a reason that, like... In the hospital, they call motorcycle riders organ donors. Yeah. Don't do it. It's, just don't it's do not it. a good idea. Uh, we cut to Shannon's house, and we just hear this, like, scratching noise, like, this, like, like, like <laughs> intense scratching noise, and John is, like, just scratching Shannon in the kitchen <laughs> and just goes, yeah, it feels good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And then Tamara comes over. <laughs> it was just really awkward moment. And John's like, yeah, I got to go. Just like great, like intimate moment with Shannon and John. That we well, yeah, because they're still trying to keep up that facade that he doesn't like to be on camera. Yeah, but before he goes, Tamara goes, "Wait, you spent the night? Oh my God! Should we call Emily and Heather and tell them?" Tamara is Tamara was full on like so crazy this episode in terms of just being oh like, yeah thinking she was in full control of everything, right? And like. We were discussing, like, it is coming more and more obvious of what Tamara's doing. And part of it is that, you know, when you watch Housewives enough, you can pick up on it. Mm -hmm. Maybe to the untrained eye, Tamara doesn't look like a shit stirrer in this season. But it makes these comments so much more, like, really? Like. Yeah. <laughs> it's very obvious. Shannon and Tamara then start talking outside and they discussed, um, you know, Shannon's like, I don't care at the end of the day what Heather and Emily think. And, you really? Know, and, and she goes, was John happy? No, but we're good. And I'm like, you don't believe yourself when you say that. <laughs> At all. 
Um, Shannon says, that, you know, I was, you know, I'm, I'm not going to talk about every argument with John, but, you know, I do get upset when, you know, we don't spend a lot of time together. It kind of felt like Shannon was kind of doing damage control in this moment of like, well, I need to talk about some of the issues. Yeah. She's like, we don't spend a lot of time together. And then Shannon, you know, talks about like, you know, sometimes we'll get like in an argument or some like disagreement of something and John will just like leave. And she's like, yeah, you know, I'm a communicator and John is very much an avoider. Like Shan- like Tamara says, he- so he's like a runner. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. And then Shannon's like, you know, we've never gone on the trip together with like no work or anything. And it bothers me. And I'm like, but didn't earlier in the season, John say that it bothered him that you're always working and doesn't don't have free time. Yeah. And to me, you seem more like the avoider and John seems more like the communicator, at least on camera. I mean, how many times have you yelled at the production to take your mic off? Yeah, in the last, like, two episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, but see, she's communicating that she doesn't want to talk about it She's anymore. communicating her boundaries. Yeah. It's, it, I was, I have a lot of questions about Shannon after this week. And, and I was starting to get them last week. And now I'm fully, like, I don't think Shannon maybe is as innocent as maybe she comes off. We'll mm. definitely see it at the Fall Festival. Oh, boy. Because... Oh, my God. Shannon says, like, you know, there's part of me that wonders if he's really in it. And Tamara's like, do you think he's afraid to get married? And Shannon's like, it's possible. (laughs) And then Shannon goes, these are issues that John and I need to figure out. And it's none of Heather Dubrow, Emily Simpson, or Gina Kirschenheider's business. (laughs) These opinions mean nothing. Their opinions mean nothing to me. And I love every time Shannon makes a point to just say someone's full name. And every, like... And you know she does it so intentionally now. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not even, like... It is not Heather DeBro, uh, Social Security number one for... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Date of birth is, <laughs> like, <laughs> girl. <laughs> it is not Heather DeBro, it's not Heather DeBro, formerly known as Heather Page Kent. <laughs> Daughter <Made> of... <laughs> Tamara says, you know, them not talking about marriage after three years at this point is kind of a red flag. I'm like, this whole thing is a red flag. What are you talking about? This is a sea of red flags. <laughs> They're at the red flag factory. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of red flags, so we go to Jen and Ryan's. No, I'm kidding. Oh, jeez. Uh, and they're doing a workout uh, outside the house with their trainer, and then they got to go get dressed or whatever for a wedding. We see, like, a quick shot of, like, Ryan just fully naked in the shower. Not fully naked, but we see enough stuff. It was very, he's very open. Um, he's like, most people have seen it. It's fine. <laughs> most people, four people for what we've been told. Sure. <laughs> well, from what we've been told is the key. Your two adult children, one friend that is no longer a friend and your girlfriend's whatever she is at this point. Yeah. Like that's, that's not everybody. Yeah. Ryan then uh, brings up the topic of marriage and she and asks when you when are we getting married, and then we see that he in a flashback that he's already gone ring shopping, yeah. And I'm like, oh god. Um, I still feel like we'll get a proposal this season. Maybe, maybe I could see that. Like, so we also get his confessional throughout this this scene. It is giving very used car salesman. That jacket is a size too small. It's like. When he, his face and when he opens his mouth and sort of his style gives me off vibes. And then he takes his shirt off. Like yeah. when he had his shirt off in the workout, I was like, 
I get it though. Like, <laughs> Shirt off, mouth closed. This is how you win. <laughs> Jen is just abmatized. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. Um, Jen uh, tells him, why do you of all people who haven't been successful in relationships, why do you want to tie it up? Which I thought was like very blunt. Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of appreciate that from Jen. Yeah. And she, and he goes, because it's with you though. And Jen, and Jen thinks that's romantic and, and sweet. And I, and I get that. And I think that he gave like this conversation, well, let's finish the conversation. Then we'll talk about how I felt it, about it. Yeah, once they get into the, the meat of it. Jen says that sometimes thinking about being married to you is scary because I hate that someone else came in between us talking about um, the time in which they were on the break. And Ryan goes, but somebody didn't come in between us. I just don't think... He, he talks about the longer thing about, like, you know, we were on a break, et cetera. We didn't have commitments and, ter- and, and rules in terms of it. So I don't think that's an accurate statement. Right. Which I'm like, uh, that's a little too cold of a thing, maybe to say. Like, not like. I'm glad that he didn't, like, get angry at her or blame her for any of it or invalidate how she was feeling about it. Correct. Um, That to me shows that he's got room to grow or that he um, is in the right headspace about it. He just needs to communicate it a little bit better. Yeah. I wish he had expressly said. You know, I understand why you feel that way. Right. And if I had known you would have been hurt by that, I would never have done it. Yeah. Jen says they're confessionals. I mean, there were no parameters, but Ryan and I were still talking all the time during the during the break. So, right. you know, it does kind of feel no different. And then Ryan in his confessional goes, I mean, did she, did she expect me to go carry on and connect with? And then he goes, oh, let me back that up. And have sex with somebody else. She did not. And I'm like, I love when they don't know how this works. Yeah. I lo- that was clearly a moment where he's like, okay, well, you guys will just cut out this part. <laughs> and then, and, and no, no, they're going to include the whole thing. They're, gonna ins- they're going to include, you could guarantee you that they're going to include every bit that they have of you putting their, your foot in your mouth. Yeah. Anywhere near your mouth, anywhere north of the equator, really. It wasn't as bad, but it's it's the same philosophy. Remember the Love is Blind clip of the guy putting the eardrops in, or, or the eye drops in the cry? It's like, no, they're not just going to cut that out, guy. Like, yeah. Um, Jen's like, you know, it's not about her. I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm in. And she's like, it's because she's like, it's not my hang up. Like, I want to make sure you're in check so that I never have to move my kids out and say, mom has failed again. Etc. And she, I love the way she kind of lays it out in that sense of like, right. She's again, she's, I think in many ways a very much an open book to where I don't find her to be deceitful. I don't find yeah. her to be, you know. And, and honestly, I get that from him too. Sure. And maybe I'm wrong, but I, from him get the vibes of, I don't want anybody else. The only reason I was with somebody else is because you acted like you didn't want me anymore. Uh-huh. Like, and if I was not going to be able to have you, then yeah, I'm going to go on and do something else. But we're together. If we're together, we're together. Period. End of story. That's, that's it. Right. Uh, Ryan goes, I have this perfect, beautiful life. Why would I go and fuck it up? I'm like, okay, but if you've not been faithful, I'm, I'm sure your life was perfect in other relationships. I mean, maybe that's not you being deceitful in this moment. Maybe it's you're not understanding that, but. But also, like, he's owned up to all of that 
And he's right. never like that, that's what I mean by like maybe he doesn't fully comprehend like, yeah, things are good, but that doesn't mean that like like that's not how my because to me, if he's a serial cheater, there probably is some psycho psychological aspect to why he's doing what he's doing. So maybe he's not picking up on a genuine trigger or some sort of like you know you know what I'm sure. saying? Like, sure, and maybe they need to see a therapist who's not just having them hum at the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, probably. Um, and and she goes, "Forever's a long time, Ryan. Just you and me." And Ryan goes, "Just you, me, and those boobies." <laughs> and Jen goes, "Oh, there's a twelve year old coming out." And he's like, "Fine, I'll get dressed, whatever." And that's the end of the scene. So it, it didn't go as bad as it could have gone, but at, there were certain parts where I think like they could make improvements. Right, but. It didn't seem like there was a wall between them and improvements. No. It felt like he was in the right lane going the right direction. He just wasn't there yet. Sure. And that's what I mean by I feel like he's being honest. I feel like he's being genuine. And as long as they're communicating like that and they're continuing to do that sort of, then I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, we go to Tamara and Eddie as they're going to the gym uh, to work out. Tam, they uh, Eddie's working on weights, and Tamara goes, "You know, I just had breakfast with uh, Heather and Emily. They just like to bully Shannon. Really, girl? I mean, it's I get you're doing the Heather takedown, but like to throw Emily in that as well when you just had that fucking the whole thing that started that conversation at the bar where you both agreed that you needed to broach this, and now you're being like Emily was a bully." I just, I... Mm. It's so calculated. It's, it's so fucked up. It's so more... Like, um, I know Emily didn't get to be here with us this week. Emily um, Hanks. Hanks. But uh, she was talking on her podcast earlier this week. Um, or no, last week. About um, how uh, Tamara wasn't nearly as... Uh, suave with it as she has been in previous seasons and she's like she's operating at like a seven she's not mm -hmm. at her full capacity like yeah. she's a lot more obvious than she used to be and i've been picking up on that too it's like are you out of practice and are I you i think we see that definitely later like she doesn't realize she do isn't playing with dummies right now it's one thing when she would do this with Shannon. I mean, it's working with Shannon, clearly. Right. But, like, it's one thing to do this with Shannon, and it's one thing to do this with Vicky. Yeah. Like, there are smarter people in this group now. Yeah. And so you're going to have to up your game. Yeah. Um, she goes, I'm not even, I'm not getting Heather lately. And then Tamara brings up, like, I saw uh, Heather and Terry had these, like, paparazzi photos outside of Disneyland with, like, all, after all these headlines about, like, Terry possibly cheating on her or whatever. And then Tamara goes, Heather tends to overreact about everything, and no way in the world do I think Terry's cheating on her. But I mean, the Sears catalog pictures, and they show like a side by side with that, and like a like like the stock footage of like someone on like a business plan, like pointing. Yep, because if you're pointing, it has to be fucking staged. Yeah. You can't point unless it's staged. She goes, "They're a hundred percent staged." If Angelina Jolie was at Disneyland, I'm sure there would be a fan that would take a picture. I don't care what the fuck she did in the 1900s; she's not an A-list celebrity. This was just full. Like again, she's like gloves are off on Heather. But this it's is like, right after those cheating rumors. So, yeah, paparazzi would be following them around. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, that, like that would be the incentive necessary. Also, you're acting like paparazzi 
don't have the day off and don't go to Disneyland with their high quality camera to get good pictures and aren't just around, aren't normal people. Paparazzi are people with cameras who sell those pictures to tabloids or whoever. Yeah, but it's also just so insidery to bring that up as Tamara. You know what I mean? Like most people seeing that wouldn't think twice about it to me. Um, Shannon and Heather then go out to lunch. And so they're going to try to redo this whole conversation that went horrible last time. Heather's like, my goal is for you know us to get to a better place. And Shannon's like, yeah, I mean, we've tried to have two conversations now that weren't really successful. Shannon and confessional. Heather's violation of the vault that I thought we had together is a total slap in the face. And then we go to Heather's confessional. There is no vault. She goes and gives everyone the combination. And I'm sick of it. But, okay, so I brought this up to you when we were watching this. Yeah. You can't, like, last week, wasn't wasn't Shannon getting mad at Heather for using the phrase, the vault? Because because it it, implied that there was some... It implied some nefarious secret. Right. Now she's saying that there's a vault, but that that doesn't imply anything. It's just normal, everybody does this sort of thing in their relationship stuff. But the two people who started using the term vault were Shannon and Tamara. So what? I I don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't. It's just it's bullshit. Shannon's like you know I've had Tamara and Emily say to me like you know we didn't bring up her relation your relationship Heather did, <laughs> and Heather has to be like and Heather had the facts. Heather's like since Tamara first came back in the group she has kept saying are you getting the calls making comments like that and I've had to be like no even in times in which I could have agreed with her I've been like no I haven't and we see the flashbacks of her doing just that like Tamara has was starting bringing up Shannon's relationship before any of this like I just I don't understand how Shannon can see all of this and still think Heather is the one that's doing it. No, it's 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 so willful willful ignorance at this point. Heather's like I've ne- it's never been my goal to talk about your relationship, and then Shannon goes, "I feel like we're on to use your phrase a hamster wheel," and I felt like Shannon throughout this conversation. This was definitely revenge. I was talking last week of like, did it feel kind of like? She was trying to get revenge on Heather for last season. This conversation felt explicitly like that because it was Shannon in the driver's seat, right? Right. Shannon's like, you have to be absolutely apologetic to me enough to where I will then offer you forgiveness. And that was the position I was in last year with with Heather does the, if you ever come for me or my family ever again, and like basically, and kind of embarrass Shannon to a certain extent, and, like, made her really upset about it. So, like, she did that. She's doing that to Heather here in, in many ways. She did it to, I think she did it to a certain extent to Emily last episode. Yeah. She wasn't going to accept any form of friendship from Emily unless Emily completely capitulated to her. Well, and what I don't get, though, so if that is the case then Shannon is a lot smarter than we're giving her credit for. Which is possible, but has never been presented. And how long has she been on this show? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if she's smarter. I just think that she's maybe more vindictive. Yes, but in order for that to be the case, she has to... Here's the thing. When Shannon is lying and she knows she's lying, she has tells. Sure. She didn't exhibit any of that here. Yeah. 
she does the she fully has kid in the kid caught with her hand in the cookie jar face which we'll see later when she's caught in a lie yeah and if she believes that what she is saying is true she doesn't have that tell yeah which is why I think Tamara coached her. Th- I don't know. I'm bl- throwing this all on Tamara, but like, it's very easy to. It's very easy to when she's like out there dancing in front of the cameras, going, "I'm the bad one." Um, so like, I think Tamara coached her through this conversation. Yeah. Shannon reiterates, you know, I have normal relationship problems, and you know, I'm hopeful to navigate through them because I love John. At the end of the day, and Heather in her confessional goes, "I have no idea what to believe anymore." Because you have all this information that she's giving you, she's giving you privately. How am I supposed to act well with you in public? Like, I don't know. Do I need to have like the men in black thing where I forget that what you told me and they do the graphic of like the big red light and Heather just pausing? It's great. Shannon's like, at the end of the day, just talk to me if you're concerned. Heather apologizes and then starts to tear up a little bit. And it's like, you know, I just didn't believe at the time that I was shit talking you, but if it came out that way and it ended up that way, then I, I really do apologize. And then cut to Shannon in her confessional and the tears coming out and then does the fake, fake clap. I can't. And goes, how many times do you practice that in front of a mirror? Maybe you can put this lunch in your IMDB, which I thought was like a very cutting line. And it's like, that just, I mean, like, let me hone in on your insecurity of not being a popular actress. Yeah, it, it's, it's real. Mm. But, like, this is her gloating moment. That's what I'm saying. This is her gloating moment that she wa- that is her redemption in her mind from last season. It's not. Yeah. Because she looks like Boo Boo the Fool. She's going to, like, a lot of people were saying it on Twitter, Shannon is going to have a lot to answer for at the reunion. Oh, it yeah. is not going to be an easy reunion for her. Oh, no. No, 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 no. We go now to Taylor's Fall Festival. Uh, well, before we do that, people are starting to arrive. And then we get a fucking call th- to, to Tamara when she's in the car with Jen from Teddy. Hey, Tamara. <laughs> it's Teddy. <laughs> I didn't. I was like, to why? Qu- to quote Garcelle, why was Teddy here? It's <laughs> <laughs> like a gnat. <laughs> and, and this was so, like, ham-fisted. She was just like, so I just got done recording the podcast. You know our podcast that we do? Tamara's like, yes, I know the podcast. Yes. <laughs> I also love the, the, the fake exasperation when you know full well that Tamara was like, say the word podcast 80 times on yeah. this phone call. Uh, and she's just like, so I did happen to make a comment, and I did say, you know, paparazzi don't come to Orange County. And Tamara's like, oh, great. I'm about to meet with her. Awesome. Is that the podcast out today? Great. Is that the podcast that uh, two T's in a pod that you can find on Apple Podcasts? <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, guys. <laughs> I thought our fucking plugs were, you know, annoying. <laughs> hey, you know, we're not nearly as bad as, you know, uh, two T's in a pod or, you know, um, just be or... Uh. <laughs> We don't. We're not making three episodes in a row talking about how we don't care about backlash. Is what you're saying? Right. Making six figures off of ads. Ugh. Spoiler alerts: We make nothing off of the ads. The ads are pr- to produce or to prop up our lovely production crew here at Sorgatron Media and my work. Yeah, that's it. it we're not paid for any of that. <laughs> uh, Tamra, everyone starts arriving. Tamara asks Heather if her and Shannon are good, and Heather kind of just, like, smiles. And Tamara's like, well, I know that look. 
Um, we find out that Emily took her motorcycle safety class with Tamara, and they show footage of it. Tamara's all calm and cool, and Emily is like a little jerky on the. <laughs> it's, like, uh. it's like, oh god, and it's like one of those really small motorcycles too. So it's like, yeah. Um, they decide that, so they're gonna go pumpkin picking, and Sh- but Shannon's not there yet, and they're like, should we wait for Shannon? And Gina's like, I think we should just go. Like, I mean, we wait for Shannon for everything. I'm just not in the mood to wait for her today. Gina was done with Shannon. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Um, and then Emily, uh, th- they're going for pumpkins. Emily says to Heather that she kind of looks like she's in a sock hop, which is, I literally was like, that's what it is. Yeah. She looks like she's in Greece. Yeah. She's it's like, very Heather. She's about to do a hand jive. And it's like, yeah, it's very that. They're looking for pump- pumpkins and uh, like Tamara and Gina are, are like looking and Tamara's like, I mean, they all have all like warts on them. Gina goes, is it contagious? And Tamara <laughs> makes a joke of, they have a vaccine for that. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm glad Vicky wasn't on this. Uh, <laughs> watch Ultimate Girls Trip 2. Uh, I've had a lot of friends that have had the pumpkin vaccine. And, 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 and it's not... It's not, not <laughs> Look, I'm just saying that I heard that Cinderella turned back into a pumpkin at midnight. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I have a very reliable source. <laughs> Emily then asked Jen about the Gina comment uh, that Shannon made. And what was that about? And then we see Gina simultaneously asking Tamara, like, what did Shannon say about my children? Something about CPS, right? Tamara goes, I don't remember ever hearing that. <laughs> and then she goes, Jen told me in the car. As if to say, Jen told me in the car just now. This is the as if she's saying, "This is the first I've ever heard of this of Jen telling me this in the car." We then cut to Jen talking to Tamara in the car an hour before, and Jen's like, "You know how like Shannon made like that comment about like she got her the attorney or whatever, and if she didn't, that CPS would have taken her kid." And Tamara goes, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." You know the thing that you were clearly fully briefed about. <laughs> so like you knew. You knew what Jen was talking about, but you're acting as if like Jen just told you this for the first fucking time to Gina. <laughs> it's like w- w- that. And you can't, you're not even drunk yet. You can't blame that on alcohol. Yeah. Come on. Uh, Heather like steps into the conversation to listen to what Emily's saying. And like Heather like fends off a bee at one point and Emily, Emily gets like annoyed. Like as if this is another case of Heather, like interrupting Emily, Emily's conversation. I'm like, she didn't want to get stung by a bee. Like, leave her alone. But then Emily, they talk about, like, oh, the comment of CPS. And Heather's like, what? <laughs> and <laughs> I love she goes, goes what? And, and Taylor goes, Child Protective Services. And Heather goes, I know what CPS is. <laughs> <laughs> well, then don't ask what. <laughs> Heather and her confessional. So no one's allowed to talk about the fact that she and John don't have the best relationship. But this is an okay conversation? So unconscionable. Yeah. Uh, it, it's really weird where the boundaries are and not. So they then disperse, but you can tell Jen then tells Taylor. So, Hey, you don't remember any of that? Cause you acted kind of surprised. And Taylor's like, yeah, I don't remember that conversation. It's one thing for one person in this group to not remember that conversation. Three of them don't remember. The yeah. three of the people that are not Jen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had hoped. I need that. I need that. Um. Oh, uh, Aunt Bertha. What's uh, What's Candy's aunt? Who was like, it's a scheme set up by Todd to come at you with the bullshit. 
Tamara's like, you might want to tell tells Gina, you might want to talk to Shannon first. Because I think Jen might be twisting things a little bit. And I literally was like, I called it. I fucking called it. I tweeted last week. I I go to my Twitter. I tweeted it last week that that Tamara was going to have fake amnesia that Shannon never said it and then twist it on Jen. I guaranteed you that was going to happen. Fucking Nostradamus. Ugh. Beautiful. Gina, go, <laughs> Gina, you're confessional. If there's anyone who's going to twist anything, it's certainly not going to be Jen. It's 100% going to be Tamara. <laughs> Gina's I, like, I love how they call her on her bullshit immediately. It's like, mm, Gina's no. like, who are you fooling? <laughs> like, Not me. Shannon arrives eventually as they're, pu- as they're about to pumpkin carve. She just goes, yeah, I'm sorry I'm late. I, I had an IV and now I can't fit shoes on. Anyway, sorry. It's like, what? <laughs> what? Like, no, more detail, Shannon. Like, what, what does any of that mean? <laughs> um, the instructor is helping them do the carving, and she's like, okay, so first you have to cut a hole in the bottom to scoop the guts out, and, and Tamara goes, like, a butthole? And so now this is just their opportunity to make sex jokes. <laughs> and then there's, like, all of this conversation about fisting pumpkins, and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just like, what do y'all know about fisting? Taylor at one point goes, I, tells the instructor, I didn't say they were ladies. I just told you they were women. <laughs> Shannon is like struggling with hers and we get in her confessional. We find out she's not a fan of the fall. Who wants to celebrate death and morbidity and graveyards? I don't like orange and brown and olive green. I'm Scrooge at the fall. And you were I like, I was so offended. You were like, I'm okay. done with Shannon. Okay. First of all, during the, during when, uh, with the, the scene at the house, the scene at the house, when Tamara comes over and they're in the kitchen, she has this really fucking cute, like little jack-o'-lantern pumpkin, like ceramic thing with the witch hat on. And you were like, I want that. I want it so bad. It's incredibly cute. And I was fawning over it for like an embarrassingly long amount of time. Anyway. Um, so then to hear her say all of this, bullshit about fall when it is clearly one of the best seasons you're like you don't deserve that pumpkin you do not deserve that pumpkin i need that pumpkin (laughs) that is now my pumpkin there was also another one that was like a bowl that was like the black and white checkered the the same as the the witch hat that had like little witch feet with the little witch uh boots on yeah it was real cute i want them both real bad and you got them you got them, and you hate fall, you Scrooge McDuck motherfucker. <laughs> Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Scrooge McDuck. It's Scrooge McDuck. Oh, I guess it is Scrooge McDuck. I, 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 I had to now just realize that Scrooge McDuck is just the, the uh, duck yes. version of Ebony. Okay. Yes. It's fine. I got there. Um, Heather did hers as a champagne flute with bubbles, and then in her confessional, she's like, it kind of just looks like a dildo, but it goes with the butthole, so it's fine. <laughs> They, they, the instructor thanks them. They did a great job. Tamara is then whispering to Shannon about her talk with Gina. And it's like, yeah, Jen told her that you brought up like CPS and was going to, and that CPS was going to take her kids. And this performance by Shannon. Shannon acts like this is brand new. She thought she was getting the Oscar for, for this performance. She goes, what? Jen, you said I said CPS was coming for Gina's kids. What are you talking about? I would never say that. Never said it. God strike me dead. That's where you know I didn't say something, okay? So stop showing up shit, Jen. Jesus Christ. It's like, oh my God, girl. You are acting. You got all those lines out in like 20 seconds. And it was, you should have spaced them out a little bit more. 
Oh, jeez. Tamara in her confessional. I don't remember Shannon saying that, but if she did say it, don't stand next to me when God strikes you down. I'm like, okay, that's totally Tamara. Uh. <laughs> Jen's like, I mean, Shannon's been, <laughs> Jen Leary says, Shannon being so sideways tells me that not only that she know, not only did she say it, but she knows that she said it. Yeah, <laughs> like Jen, I love Jen and Gina are both like even though well, even though Jen's like new to the game, Jen didn't fold, which I loved, and she was yeah. like, "You're clearly recovering." Yeah. And Shannon tells Gina, like, look, I'm, I t- what I said, Gina, was I'm not allowed to talk about the good things that I've done for you. <laughs> As in getting you out of jail or whatever the fuck, which is the conversation. Gina goes, well, clearly you were because Jen knows all about something. And Shannon goes, maybe she Googled it. Yeah. Like Shannon had the excuses way too ready on hand of like, because that is the thing. Gina's like, if Jen is lying about the CPS part, how does she know about my actual DUI arrest? Right. And all the details of that that are true. Right. That doesn't make any sense. So de- it definitely came up at that dinner. Uh-huh. Well, and we also saw it on camera come up at that dinner. Yeah. Tamara's like, I don't remember even, I don't remember even that conversation happening, even though she was the one who informed Jen. We see the flashback of her being like, yeah, so Gina had a DUI, blah, blah, blah. Like, like filling in the blanks yeah. of everything. And Jen is like, Tamara literally was doing this with Shannon and it was like, it would have been nice for my friend to like have my back in this moment, but fucking what else is new, Jen? Like you, Tamara doesn't have your back clearly. Yeah. Like, uh, Jen goes, there was some attorney where if you didn't have the number, her kids would have been taken. And Gina goes, it's not true. No one gets a DUI and their kids are taken from them. Let's let this go. And then Shannon's like, they were going to arrest you in the morning. And Emily's like, no, it was a bench warrant. They wouldn't have shown up in her house and arrested her. And I love that Emily can bring her legalese into this. Yeah. And be like, no, that's not the type of warrant. Like, it's, it, was, it was basically a type of warrant where if she was pulled over, she would have been arrested. Right. But not, they're not going to serve her at her house and then arrest her. Like, <laughs> uh. And then I, people called out Gina for this online, which I do agree. She goes in her confessional, I have put my children before fucking everything. And I'm like, well, except for the time that you drank and got behind the wheel of a car. That's the only time. Sure, but like... I get what you mean. And she goes, so to insinuate the authorities would remove my children and see me as an unfit parent is fucked up. Shannon, uh, Shannon then starts telling Tamara, Tamara, you know that, that, that pain I had before? Like, like she has like, I guess she's having like an anxiety attack or something. Yeah. Which maybe she is. I, I, I'm not trying to disbelieve it. It just seemed a little convenient for the timing. Yeah. But if anything, it's an anxiety attack because you're lying. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you're being confronted on the lie. Yeah. She doesn't like that. Yeah. Gina goes, the only thing I've ever said is I respect you enough that I don't talk about your relationship. So if that's offensive to you and you want to shit all over me and my family and my children and my life, then that's fine. And every time she says a different thing, she like, like presents her hand out. Like it's like a, like, like she's serving another, like, like (laughs) (laughs) here's another thing that you don't respect. Yeah. Shannon talks about, look, it just sounded at the costume party. Like you were talking about my relationship. That's how I interpreted it or whatever from across the pool when I was talking to Heather, which I guess maybe. And then Shannon's like, you know, people come up to me and, and, you know, talk about Travis. And I don't say, I don't, you know, I don't make those comments about Travis. 
And then Tamra throws Shannon fully under the bus and goes, but the penis comment. And then cut flashback to when Shannon was first freaking out at Video Village and goes, let's talk about Travis and his this big penis and does like the tiniest like finger (laughs) measurement. And Shannon tells Tamra, don't say that. Don't say that. It's like. (laughs) (laughs) And then now we get talking about Travis's penis, apparently. Taylor and her confessional. Let's just line up all the men and have a little penis contest. I mean, big penis contest. (laughs) (laughs) And then I loved Emily. Uh, Shane has a large penis, too. I would just like to throw that out there. It's not sidecar sized. (laughs) Great callback. Gina makes a comment. The only thing more desperate than this is Shannon's fucking Spanx. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. Wow. They're just like, this, it was just this whole like five minutes. It felt like five minutes. Maybe it was like two minutes. There's like jab after jab after jab by everyone. It oh, was yeah. just like, oh, it was so good. Tamara goes like, okay, can we just like move on and like stabs the table <laughs> with her <laughs> pumpkin knife? <laughs> And I, I did love the meme because Shannon, as she was fighting Gina at one point, was waving the pumpkin knife around and everyone was saying it was giving Candace vibes from the Potomac. <laughs> you will not talk about John Jansen in this pumpkin patch. <laughs> Shannon and Gina both like nonchalantly both say, oh, yeah, I'll just move on, whatever. Like, it's not even like sort of like they get to a better place. They're just like, let's drop it. <laughs> like, it's fine. Next scene. <laughs> And scene. They then go to a different table to sit down to lunch. And then this is when Tamra is like, time for me. They don't even get their food in there. And Tamra's like, time to start the bullshit. Like, Tamra, but Tamra met her match with Heather. Oh, yeah. We have never seen really Tamra and Heather go head to head. There's like a little bit in season nine. Yeah. But like, it diverted pretty quickly off of them onto Shannon. Well, Tamra is really good at getting other people to do her dirty work. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has always been really good at doing that. Uh, and in fact, when we see her directly confronted on things, she literally will run. Yeah. A la her running off literally across the hotel out of that dinner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like literally she does that every time she's directly confronted. So it's, it's funny how this happens and Heather's like, nah, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tamara goes, I have something I want to say to Heather right now. Says it in front of the whole table. Doesn't pull her aside, by the way. <laughs> Heather's like, I've I've got $55 million in my pocket. <laughs> it's burning a whole bitch. <laughs> yeah. Cause Tamara's not with this thing. Like Tamara's not like conflicted. Oh, I guess I have to talk to her about the podcast thing. She's gonna air it out in front of everyone. There's right. no like worry of like, you know, being awkward. Heather goes, is it bad? And Tamara goes, it's not good. And Heather goes, uh. <laughs> Tamara brings up that Teddy went in hard for her on the staged paparazzi photos. And Heather goes, I'm not going to give light to it. It's not true. And then Tamara goes, but it was taken by a professional camera. And, Tam- and Heather goes, how would I know that? Like, it's not like, and you were like, what's the, what's the Papa- fact? Paparazzi have professional cameras. Yeah. They don't sell dot like really shitty cell phone cameras for hundreds of dollars that's not how paparazzi work they get quality photos yeah the question is not was it a paparazzi photo the question is did heather and terry call them to take the photo so why does it yeah and Tamara goes well it's suspicious that's all i'm saying and then heather 
Heather like chuckles to herself because she's clocking it immediately. And she goes, so here's what's interesting. Yeah, when there's smoke, there's fire. You know what else there is? Fucking arson. And I was like, that was the line of the year. It's so good. It is so fucking she good. She ate that. Yes. <laughs> she ate that so hard. And she goes, and, you, and I know you seem really excited talking about this, Tamara. <laughs> Heather asks, look, was anyone here concerned at the end of the day? And Emily even like, I wasn't. Like, someone noted, like, when Heather, especially when Heather nails that arson line, Emily and Gina are looking almost kind of in amazement. Yeah. They're almost like, oh, this is how you do it. Yeah. Like, this is how you fucking really do it. Yeah. And Tamara goes, well, I don't think it's true. And then Heather, like, chuckles again and goes, but saying that is inferring that it could be true. Right. Like, I know what you're doing. And Tamara goes, well, there's no paparazzi at Disneyland. And Heather just goes, think what you want to think, Tamara. It's fine. <laughs> Heather in her professional says, look, I don't understand why Tamara's doing this, but some people take pleasure in the misfortune of others. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was such a boss moment. It was beautiful. And then Heather goes, after being accused of staging paparazzi photos, why would I tell them about the sale of my house? So, sale of my house. Like the schadenfreude bitches. Like, yeah. Like, but she's right. Like, I, it's not a safe place for Heather to be like, and not, with, not just with Tamara, with any of them to be like, guys, so I sold my house for $55 million. Yeah. Because if she did that, then she would have been bragging again. Right. And it's like, oh, fancy pants Heather Dubrow and all her money. And then, spoiler alert, next week, they're going to then go after her for not telling them that she sold their home. And it's like, she can't win. No, she can't, but it's fine. Heather talks to them about how they're doing, she's doing a launch party for Fireside, that company mm-hmm. that she's doing with Mark Cuban or whatever, and that everyone's basically invited. Shannon then just excuses herself early, I guess, like from her anxiety or whatever. She doesn't really give a reason and, and decides to leave. Gina and her confessional, San, Shannon says shit, and then she wants to pretend like she didn't do it. And if you can say things that are that fucking hurtful and not even remember you said it, you need to go to fucking check yourself into rehab. And then when you do and you get to the fucking I'm sorry step, I'll be waiting for that apology. Yeah. She, I wish you kind of would have told it to Shannon then. I, I, oh, man. Can you imagine the meltdown if she yet again, somebody accused her of being a drunk? Oh, yeah. But like, I get that Shannon's going to blow up, but let her fucking blow up. Yeah. And like, like you saw how great Heather just had her moment. Have your fucking moment. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been so good. Ugh. Emily's like, I do think there is kind of a double standard when it comes to Shannon. Like, if that comment about Travis and his small penis was about John, like, she would have lost her shit. Yeah. And Gina going, John Jansen's penis is 14 karat gold, apparently. And Emily's like, it's diamond encrusted. I think someone goes, ow. <laughs> and they just laugh about John Jansen's diamond encrusted penis for the, until the episode ends. But yeah, that was the episode of OC this week. God damn, this season's good. Yeah. Every episode is so fucking good right now. Yeah. Like really, really great stuff overall. Um, yeah, just a, a top notch season. Uh, and, a, and a sign that you don't need Atlanta. You don't need to fucking just completely overhaul things. As much as we're enjoying the new Roni, like sometimes you just need to bring an old favorite back. Sometimes, you, like yeah, it there's a formula that works, and we're seeing it with OC. So yeah. good to see it. 
All right, let's get into these tops and bottoms. We got Atlanta, we got Roni, we got OC. What you thinking, babe? Uh, I'll start with my bottom for this week. It's kind of the one I'm the most sort of opinionated about. Courtney from yeah, Atlanta. Yeah. That was so, I like, it was at the, I mean, I can also include her speak on it because I thought it was also vile. And it was also not even a good speak on it. Like, yeah. she just talks in circles and then gives like five different excuses for things. And doesn't really own anything, and then makes statements without giving like explicit examples, really. Yeah. Um, but I think that comment she made about um, Drew, wa- the reason why Drew wanted Ralph to adopt Josiah was like really fucking uncalled for. And disgusting. even if you want to believe that she didn't know the cameras were were rolling, that's still a fucking vile comment to make. Yeah. But I guarantee you, she knew that that was fucking being recorded. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And like. It just she really has flopped this season. I don't understand the people, some people who, you know, I really hope that the people who were like, yeah, give her an orange or a um a peach, peach um, are just saying it because it's a bad season and they 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 want some drama, which like again, it's just like she doesn't bring it to me in any sense of the word. I think she's very weak in many senses, and I think she is clearly carrying water for Ralph, who's fucking terrible. Like yeah. Uh, I think if you give her a peach, that's the only way that Ralph has a direct end to being on Atlanta next season as well, yeah. which we've always said is, is his goal. Well, but I don't even necessarily think that. I think that um, if Drew stays, then maybe. But if they do this rebooty type thing, mm-hmm. then I think we will end up with Ralph and Courtney on Love and, uh, Love and Hip Hop. Because he's a music producer. That's true. That's fair. Or at the very, like, I bet Marlo, if she gets brought back, would have his messy ass on. Like, yeah. I guarantee you, if they bring back most of the cast as is, Marlo's going to bring him on the show to, like, fuck yeah. with Drew. I, I can almost guarantee. But, yeah, f- f- Courtney was terrible this season. Um, My top for this week, I kind of have not been giving her the top, even though I've really liked her progression on, on Roni this season. I'm going to give it to Jessel. Because I think she is underratedly hilarious. Mm-hmm. I think she gives us really funny sort of like ditzy moments that I really love. Her dynamic with Pavit, I think, is one of the funniest things right now. Mm-hmm. Like, even though it's like, oh, God, you guys don't like each other. But you don't like each other in a fun way. Yeah. Like, not the Ralph and, and Drew way. Right. Like, it's, it's... It's barbs. Yeah, it's barbs. And it's humorous. And there's kind of a give and take a little bit. And it's cute. Um, and I thought her, her lunch with her mom was sweet. And I thought a yeah. good, like sentimental moment and i like seeing the full range of her character i like seeing her be in things i thought i had a sense that she was kind of going to be a little more quiet like when the season started but i like that she's kind of in everything right now yeah and is involving herself and and is becoming an interesting character on this show so credit to her i thought she did a really great job uh what about you babe what are your tops and bottoms for the week um, well, I think my bottom is pretty obvious, and that's Ralph motherfucking Pittman. Yeah. Um, that man is awful. He's <laughs> just bad. Um, he's just not a good human. He's, like, uh, diabolical and, like, mischievous and not in the fun way. Like, he... He like delights in the pain of others. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 sick. It's it's gross. It's really it's 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 not good. Um 
my I, I'm I'm honestly done talking. Yeah, about he's him. terrible. Like Bye. forever. I hope no. We I mean we have two more weeks of Atlanta, but hopefully after that I never have to talk about his ass again. Um, but my top for the week is going to go to Heather. Okay. Because yeah. she showed up. <laughs> yeah, she was great this episode. I mean, she's been on her heels all season. And I honestly think it's something about selling the mansion, like just like activated her in a good way. And she showed up to fight. She's not going quietly into the night by any means. By any means. And I don't think that the public is picking up the bullshit that Tamara is laying out. I think unlike, I I feel like the Atlanta public is kind of split on like what has happened this season. Uh But I think as far as OC, people are pretty clear that Heather is not the villain here. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Which is surprising because people have loved to hate Heather in the past. (laughs) Sure. But like people are showing up for Heather this season. It's like, okay, okay. Fans. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed her, like, just like, and the thing is, is she, she's, people want to call her pretentious, but like the way that she like dressed Tamara down was so like elegant and regal. Mm -hmm. And it's like. You you can't touch that. Like I was saying before, it's like I don't think Tamara ever has dealt with someone as smart yeah. as Heather in a fight like that. Like Yeah. It, and it's not it's not easy. No, no, it's not. Also, um uh shout out to Allison. Yes, the honorable mention. Honorable mention to Allison on uh Atlanta. Like, oh my god, she was also activated this week. Um and just was done was done and went after both Ralph and Courtney. It was like, fuck both of y'all. And it it was just, it was beautiful to watch because Drew has been so like beat down mm-hmm. by all of this shit from Ralph for she so needed long. She needed an ally. ally. And cause she doesn't really have it. in And right. even in any of the women closest being Kenya Closest being Kenya, but she was also getting beat down this season. And Candy was also getting beat down this season. Plus, her plate is so full, she could barely, like, stand up for herself in the moments that Marlo was coming after her. Yeah. And it's like, not that she didn't hold her own in that, but, like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, she doesn't have time to be cleaning up everybody else's messes, too. She's dealing with her own shit. And so, like, Drew was kind of out there on her own. Not to say she's perfect, not to say she's the best housewife we've ever had, but in this situation, she deserved to have an ally. She deserved to have somebody by her side, and in comes Mama Sister, and because <laughs> we're still not sure, and I'm, I'm, I'm more sure that it's not Sister. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just saying, I need a 23 in me. I'm just, I'm, um, but yeah, uh, Heather. And uh, and Allison just showed up this week and let the haters have it. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. 
And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com. 